Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, brothers and sisters. Welcome to episode eight of the Thought Adventure podcast. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. rajim Probably should have started with that uh, and then moved on to the salams. How is everyone? You all good? Good. Yeah, alhamdulillah. Good man. Good. Alhamdulillah. So the topic of today's podcast is going to be theism versus deism. That is the so we can jump straight into that, but there has also been some other topics uh, hot on the press recently. Uh, for example, the recent discussion you guys had uh, with Aaron Ra. Uh, so, should we begin? I think um, maybe making a few comments on that stream uh, before we jump straight into the the topic of deism, or do you want to jump straight into the deism topic? Yeah, we can talk about Aaron Ra. Um Yosef, you were you weren't there, so what did you think to it? So I've not managed to watch it all yet. I watched um the first, I think, half an hour, and then I, I was on my way out. So I was like getting on buses and moving about, and so I was dipping in and out while trying to talk to a few people. Um I didn't have high hopes, I'll be honest, at the beginning. Uh, well, even prior to the conversation, I didn't really have high hopes that it was going to be a, a fruitful discussion. And in the first part of the, the conversation, I was getting the feeling that it was moving in that direction, um, especially when it got to the point where he started getting angry, um, very unreasonably so. Like there was hardly anything that I, th I thought you guys were being quite polite. The conversation was going nicely. Um, and then he jumped to this, oh, you've been, and, and you could see when you were getting into the, the meat and potatoes of the subject, his eyes were sort of glazing over, um, when it moved towards the, like the philosophical side of it, it was, it was going over his head. Um, and then it came across to me, like he sort of moved to this, I guess, defense mechanism where he started saying, you know, I, I've, you've misrepresented me, you've misrepresented me. I've um, told you exactly how you've misrepresented me several times, blah, 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 blah. Um, and then Abdul Rahman said, sorry, that's not what I want to do. Um, can you please tell me where I've misrepresented you? And if I've done that, obviously I'll retract my comment. I don't want that to be the case. I want this to be a fruitful conversa conversation. And then he didn't even know what he was being <laughs> misrepresented <laughs> on. And it was like, well, if, if you were so sure you're being misrepresented, because he was very confident he was being misrepresented. It, like It's not like you said to him half an hour later, oh, by the way, what was it you misrepresented? Like, it was following on from his claim that he was being misrep misrepresented. You would think that the first thing that would have come from that is the exact thing, um, which was the misrepresentation. But he was like, no, I, I don't take notes. So we, you just made the claim <laughs> two seconds ago. You don't need to refer to no book. And, and so I lost heart at that moment. It was like this is going to go downhill. And then I, I had to leave and um, obviously do my stuff. And then apparently it got much better towards the end. Um, yeah, so. yeah. So I think uh, one thing is, is that, that 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 line that he brought up about misrepresentation, apparently that's a script that he uses uh, in debates. So he will, he'll bring that out as a script. It's like a pre-prepared sort of statement that he, he utilizes. So there's a, uh, 
So I think because if you re-listen to what he says, it is literally like a script, yeah. And he's talking of he's mentioning points which have no no relation to what Abdurrahman was even saying, yeah, which was quite uh, unusual. Yeah. Well, that, that's what I was saying because you, you you get this air of him, him not really following the conversation, and when it came to like, well, what is it that you're calling evidence here exactly? And and then there was a bit where Brother Jake was like. Um, you know that the necessary existence bit, and he's like, he's like, but that's necessary existence. And he's like, no, it's just that oh, it couldn't yeah, be any it. other way. He's yeah. like, yeah, that's <laughs> the definition of the necessary. And yeah. Yeah. and then he just said no, and then repeated the same thing again. It's like, dude, that's that's what necessary means. That it can't be any other way. It's necessary. Like, and he was just throwing sort of the definition of necessary. While following it up with like a no, uh, that isn't <laughs> what I'm saying. I'm saying, and it's like, oh, bro. So yeah, it, it was a bit frustrating um, to watch. Like I say, I was sort of running around and struggling to really focus on everything that was going to say. Uh, I do plan on doing maybe a, you know, I sit down on my channel um, where I'll watch through it. I don't know if I'll do that on my own or maybe I'll try and get someone. To jump on it with me. I was seeing how I could get uh, Brother Sabor on, um, but he's really busy at the moment with a million live streams. Um, you get a subtle life, you can do. Yeah, 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 inshallah. That'll be Maybe. good, man. Debate debate review. Yeah, man. So I'll uh, I'll try to reach out to a few people and see if I can get someone on there with us. Um, and we'll we'll go through it. But I'm, I'm in two minds about whether I should watch it again first. Uh, how, how long was he on for? It was only an hour, hour and five minutes. So it's okay. not you've you've only got another half an hour to go. So okay. so yeah, I'm, I'm in two minds about whether I should watch it before I review it, or just do I like a, a fresh it. review no, and get I my live need... reaction, pure <laughs> unadulterated. I think you need to watch <laughs> it before you review it because there are a lot of subtle points that were mentioned in there with the, with the discussion, and I think uh, maybe even people who were watching it live might not have realized like the the law of uh, non-contradiction you know on the one hand he's arguing evidence is based upon observable data and that if you don't have observable data you can't believe in something but yet that he's affirming the law of non-contradiction yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah so this is you know this is like an example or you know there was other points where i think jake towards the end asked him the question about uh also sort of made the point which was about you know, do you believe in nothing? He goes, no, there can, it's impossible for there to be nothing, therefore it's necessary for there to be something. Yeah, and then he posits a necessary being at the end. You <laughs> yeah, know, he, basically energy and matter, yeah. But it, looking at a few of his interactions on Twitter as well, though, it, it did look like he was backtracking from these claims of... Yeah, yeah, yeah he's backtracking. He, yeah, backtracked, he backtracked at the end of the uh, at the end of the video, man. <laughs> it wasn't. Well, yeah, Jake. because when we pointed out the implication of what he was saying, he he was backtracking, and then he wanted, in my opinion, he he wanted to leave the stream. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I've been going back and forth with him a little bit on uh, a Facebook post uh, of a friend of ours, and he's just. In my opinion, he's twisting his own words, what he originally said on the video. I told him, I said, look, you got a couple options. Either admit that you said that in the video and you don't 
you reject it. You want to retract your statement. That's fine. Or you should say that, um, or, I mean, you can maintain that you never said it, but everyone can just watch the video, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or say or, he made a mistake when he said it and he didn't. That's yeah, not what yeah, he meant. Yeah, but don't don't act like you didn't say it, dude. You said it <laughs> and you either made a mistake or you believed it at that time, but then you thought about it and you said, oh, it doesn't really follow and I shouldn't have said that. Or you actually still affirm what you said and you think there's a necessary being, but it's just not God. Those are your options. Don't act as if you didn't say it. And, Oh, that's not what I meant. I meant something else. Like, dude, it was obvious to everybody watching the video, including other atheists and agnostics, few of which have already done a review on it. And he just looks bad. He just looks like a kid that just lost a game. And now he, just wants to run home. It doesn't look right. I mean, wants to take the football home with him. That's what we would it, say. Yeah. But the thing is, is that even if he denies a necessary being and he starts to affirm uh, nothingness, absolute nothingness, yeah, as even as a possibility, he's contradicting himself again because we talked about the principle of sufficient reason and we talked about whether something can come from nothing with no reason whatsoever. And he said, no, there has to be a reason. Yeah. So he has to give in, you know, it's like he's, he's, he's dug himself into a pit and he sort of can't get out of it. And no matter which direction that he goes, he just gets deeper and deeper. But yeah, yeah. Kind of... <laughs> that's, that's just my yeah. thoughts on it. It was a no, good was... discussion, though. I think it was very respectful, generally. Towards um, the end, we... it must have been, but not while I was watching it, I wasn't getting that vibe from him. He seemed very yeah, well, condescending, very bro like he kept interrupting. Yeah, it was respectful yeah, but from for, our end. Yeah, from his <laughs> from his perspective, I mean, if you watch his other stuff, uh, it could have gone a lot worse, dude. Like, yeah, that, yeah, that yeah. was that was Arn Ra on his best behavior. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it is what it is. But I mean. Look, he's still welcome to come back. I'm happy to have him for round two if, if he wants to come on and clarify what he said on the show. Uh, and then based on that, we can, you know, decide where we want to go from there. Hmm. But, you know, I I suspect that he, he's not going to come back on. I'd be happy for him to do so, but I don't foresee it happening. But what yeah, we could I, even I do, if he does, because – Obviously, I, I'm not getting the feeling that he, he will, but if for whatever reason we're just sort of misjudging here and he's up for it, it'd be cool to maybe even get him on to do like a, a review of the discussion you had <laughs> with him and going through it and saying, look, look, listen, and then playing what he said and then rewinding it. Because I, I think that's probably the, the only way you're sort of going to really make clear what was said and what was meant by it. Um, and then obviously at that point we could start to sort of figure out that, like, that would be cool. Yeah, I, I mean there, there's somebody in the chat here. Um, not this one. Sorry, I clicked on the wrong one. Bustin Jeeber. <laughs> he he didn't like the conversation because he kept asking for a topic besides philosophy, and you guys kept pushing on those philosophical topics. <laughs> it's well, a, it was a conversation probably, of philosophy. That was the whole probably, title. Probably, Mr. Buston, it's probably because the conversation about God is a philosophical one. I don't think maybe 
Aaron didn't get the memo, and apparently you didn't get the memo either. But the the question about God is a philosophical one. It's not a scientific one. Theists don't believe that you can find God under a microscope. Yeah, <laughs> and so it's, it's the whole example Arne of the painter in the painting. Yeah, Aaron Ra needs to understand this. I mean, it, it's it's amazing to me how people can be engaging with theists for twenty plus years and and having arguments with them. I'm sure within those 20 years, maybe there's some joker that came along and said, yeah, there's this, there's this, uh, God is in my DNA or something weird like that. But for the, for the most part, nobody really believes this. Nobody says this. So, I mean, why would you be expecting a conversation that wasn't philosophical in nature if it's a question about whether or not a necessary being exists? A necessary being is a metaphysical question. It's not a scientific question. Yeah, I think and, also I really it really frustrates me when people turn around and say, oh, you know, he came in and he, you know, it was a philosophical debate and he's not very good at that. But he's making philosophical, uh, you know, claims. assumptions, claims. Yeah, he's making these claims. He's making claims about what is how do we know what we know? What's the theory of knowledge? That's called epistemology. So he's saying these are these are the tools that we use to know certain things. And if we can't know certain things, it means it's it's outside of these tools. So you have to look at what his epistemology is. And then he's making claims about ontology, basically what is possible, what is impossible. So he's claiming God is impossible. Yeah. yeah. So this is ontological yeah. claims. So his basic arguments fundamentally rest upon his epistemology and how he understands from his epistemology, his ontology. It therefore becomes a discussion of, what is your epistemology and how is it that you're using that to be consistent in defining what is what is yeah. logical and, and this guy this guy's this guy says back Arn has mainly discussions with theists about science such as evolution correct but he came on look the, the title was clear we told the guy what it was going to be about we didn't say hey we want to discuss Islam and evolution with you. And then all of a sudden, two minutes completely before we change the topic. I mean, yeah. it's a different it's, subject. We didn't bait him into anything. We invited him on to talk about whether or not a necessary being exists. It's not a scientific question. That's if you're, you're basically from what I interpret from this statement is he's not equipped to have this discussion and he came into discussion and he looked bad. Is that it's our fault or his? Yeah. I mean, come on. And Jake, it's a big so what evolution, to be honest. Yeah. In the question of a necessary being and even the question of God, evolution is a big so what because it doesn't do affect, it, it has, has nothing, nothing to do, to do with it. it. Yeah. So he's he's been spending all these years saying, you know, evolution this, God therefore doesn't exist. It doesn't even logically follow the two, not the only two that, things. So yeah. it, he even mentioned Boston's got to stop busting us, man. Not even <laughs> bust us, dude. Come on. But even in the conversation, he said he's he he thinks philosophy is good, that it's just misused. So he's even talking as though he has like somewhat of a an understanding and appreciation of philosophy. Yeah, but I think in the that's discussion, just, and then like I think he's just saying that. I know. I, I, know, know. I, I don't think he actually believes that. I've been I've been told by people that's just an act. He he actually hates philosophy. It's annoying, especially when they're yeah. doing philosophy, man. It's so yeah. annoying. I think Bustin Jiba was just simply saying he's not trying to like justify it. He's just simply explaining why he didn't like the conversation. Yeah, but, but he's saying why he didn't like the conversation. 
was he expecting that it was going to be something different? If not, and he came in and he didn't like the conversation, then, I mean, that's really silly. If he didn't like it yeah. and didn't want to be there, he shouldn't have accepted to come on the show. Point but you one. know, he's, I've seen, because I've seen, maybe obviously not, not saying about uh, busting the, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I've seen atheists turn around and say, Oh, was he baited onto the onto the show? Did he not know what the topic was or anything like that? But the point being is that if you're going to make claims about the theory of knowledge, how do we know what we know? And if you're going to cl- make claims about possible and impossible beings, you're in the realm of philosophy now. You are talking philosophy. Now, if you can't justify your theory of knowledge and you can't justify how it is consistently applied to talk about ontology then that's not a problem of me or Jake or Abdurrahman. That's his problem, yeah? Yeah, and if you're, was, and it, yeah. I mean, it would be like him inviting me for a stream on evolution, and I didn't know anything about evolution, and I went on there, and I looked bored, and I didn't want to talk to the people. I mean, I would have the you, same criticism also, of myself. It would be and ridiculous. And also you were making evolutionary claims as well prior to yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then at the so end, I just said, oh, I wasn't interested. Ah, Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway. Assalamu alaikum, Atu. You're mute. Wa alaikum salam. Sorry for being late, guys. No, no, no. We're going to have to uh, put I think we might have to jump into the topic of deism as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we could, we could talk about Aaron Ra for a very long time. I think we need, we maybe, inshallah, we might do, well, let's say inshallah, but we may do a debate review if the, you know, if inshallah. people are interested. And we go through it line by line. <laughs> word well, I, word. I'll, give, um, I'll give mine first, and then maybe we can do yeah, something yeah. together after that as well. And then um, cool, cool. we'll see how it goes. But uh, yeah, so topic of deism. Let's begin with that. So obviously we, we're making here a distinction between deism and theism. Theism being uh, the claim that there is a God and that this God does provide revelation and uh, you know cares about his creation and has contact with it and tries to guide it. Um, so does someone, Sharif, throw the ball your way? Um, do you want to, to give a brief description of deism in relation to, <laughs> to theism? Yeah, so I think um, if you want to understand what deism is, the central thread uh, for deism is basically this idea that there isn't special revelation. Yeah, there's different models under deism. So there isn't this idea that, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the creator, sends down revelation to certain people in order to guide people specifically how to live their life, you know, through maybe a book or etc. Yeah, so... That's generally the thread. So this idea of intervene, this creator that intervenes on how people should live their lives. Now, under that, there are different models. So one of the models is this, like, uh, you know, this idea that a creator doesn't have a will or intelligence. They're just literally a, a necessary being, a necessary existence foundation that has no intentionality in terms of creating. So that's one model of deism. Uh, another model of deism is basically saying that, uh, uh, you know, this creator has will intentionality, created the universe and then just left it, you know, left it to operate according to these laws uh, and then just step back. Yeah. So that's another one. A third uh, perspective on uh, uh, deism is that God created the universe, uh, but simply just didn't send anybody any revelation. Yeah. So, yes, he may uphold the laws of the universe, but he just didn't 
bother with sending any revelation to human beings to how to live their life. Um, and so these are the different aspects of what deism is. Um, so I, I don't know if you want to go into maybe why they've sort of adopted these positions, but ultimately the creator exists. They've come to that conclusion rationally, but they're saying there's no special revelation that's intervening. Yeah, there's no interaction or intervention from the creator. Well, there's a number of reasons I can think as to why they would maybe try to move down this route. Um, so one would be controversial uh, subject matters they wish to avoid um, that necessarily come tied with particular religious um, thinking. So, like for example, the Old Testament, the New Testament, the Quran, uh, the Hadith, and they just want to avoid sort of having to have these conversations, or they want to avoid um, the strict rules, maybe that come along with certain uh, religions. So th that could be one possible motivation. The other could maybe even be the the problem of evil. So like they they're convinced, they look at the world and they see, you know, that they're compelled by um, the beauty of existence, by you know the the, the presence of uh, what looks to be the the influence of a, a wise being um, in the world, and and you know fine tuning etc. All of these sort of typical arguments you hear in favour of a creator they're convinced by them and but it, you know it's sort of accompanied with the problem of evil so it's like well why would evil exist why is it that these bad things exist surely whatever created this mustn't care about us that sort of reasoning um i don't know can, can anyone think of any other sort of additional sort of motivating factors that might lead to deism abdurrahman jake do you want to jump in there um i i think and i could be wrong but i think one of the main reasons for the at least the intellectual side of why these people um believe in deism is because they have this idea that god who's the creator he can't really interact with creation uh there seems to be this notion that uh the supernatural there, there are no really supernatural things like miracles or even revelation would be an example of uh, God interacting with the world. I think that that's, and I could be wrong, but that seems to me to be the common thread between uh, the different forms of deism. They just, either they can't make sense of it uh, or they think it's a contradiction. Um, I think that to me is what the main issue is with deism. And I think that we've covered on a previous stream about miracles why that isn't really a good reason to affirm deism and reject a sort of classical view of theism, because the idea that miracles are impossible, which David Hume kind of put forth this, and he was very influential, I think, on the deist movement. Um, I think we did a good job of explaining why that's not really a good reason to reject theism you know the the idea that miracles are somehow logically incompatible with the natural world is just not correct it's it's a misnomer so i think that their motivation with things like miracles and even revelation special revelation would be an example to me that would fall under this category of a miracle because it's a, sort of a supernatural event um so 
and there's a, there's an example from the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam's life, in which you know the uh, Abu Bakr I think was being asked about um, the night journey that the Prophet went on, and people you know thought it was like a strange thing. They they were asking, well, how do you believe in this? And he said, well. I believe in something greater than that. I believe that God is actually speaking to the prophet and sends him revelation. So this uh, the reason why I bring that up is because it's it's related in that sense. I mean, if you if you can ground or make sense and believe in things like revelation, then miracles, I mean, they're they're really nothing. What's what's the big deal about a specific miracle? So I think that the, the common thread is this idea of supernatural things and God sort of interacting with creation. But there are some deists who even believe in God's general conservation of the natural world, that somehow he's conser conserving and upholding the natural world. And I think that's a form of intervention, because without that, it wouldn't really operate the way that it does and wouldn't be sustained. And so I think there's this, in some forms of deism where they accept that there's an inconsistency. Well, if you accept that, which is God's causal activity in the natural world, then what's the difference about a miracle or special revelation? So I think that's a fundamental, um, you know, incoherency in their own worldview. But, yeah, I don't know what you guys think about it. Yeah, no, that's probably definitely another element to it. Um, there's another comment here by uh, Balarian, the Black Dread. Uh, there might be one more reason. Uh, they see that there is no evidence for God contacting with us. Yeah, that, that's that is a potential argument that some of them, uh, some deists, try to use. I think yeah. the, but I just wanted to focus on this point about the motivating factor. I think, you know, looking at the historical development, certainly of the the recent quote unquote, you know, in the last couple of hundred years of deism. Uh, deism rose in Europe, particularly in Britain, during what we term sort of on the, the cusp of the Enlightenment period, yeah, so the 17th, 18th century, during this period of time. And this was a period where people were moving away from religion generally. They saw the, you know, the problems within Christianity, especially within the political realm, how it's being applied. They started to argue more and more for human beings to have more autonomy, not to be controlled by the church or the, you know, have the church being involved in state apparatus. And so you have a movement, a political movement. And within this political movement came an, an intellectual movement, which was deism, which was basically arguing uh, on the same premise or with the same implications with this idea that if God doesn't provide special revelation or you don't really need special revelation, you can live your own life and you can be good as a result. God has given you that capacity to be good. You don't need God intervening in your life. Therefore, the creator God is just some sort of deistic, I creator exists, doesn't interact. So this is what was occurring within the 17th, 18th century, which was these various political and moral philosophers that were coming about many of whom were either deistic or atheistic uh, in their outlook and their worldview, and that informed them uh, their particular view of secularism, uh, which then resulted within uh, within Europe at the time. Yeah. So I think there was a political motivation rather than just purely a looking at the argument and the evidences and coming up with certain uh, 
intellectual arguments for it. And I think part of that was because they saw the failures of Christianity, particularly when it was applied on a state level. Yeah, I, I wanted to, like, in, in my understanding, like the most charitable um, uh, understanding of deism I could I could put forward uh, is that basically they don't see a necessity for revelation. So, so, so as Sharif and the others put it, there are different understandings of deism. There are different brands of deism. I think the common factor is is mostly non-interaction. So God's non-interaction with the world. Right. Some affirm God's goodness, some don't. Some uh, affirm God's wisdom, some don't. Um, uh, and and some even affirm judgment and a hereafter, and, and others don't. I think the most uh, uh, charitable account of deism I, I, I've, um, I've found was the idea that you shouldn't believe anything beyond what is rationally accessible, like directly rationally accessible. And, and uh, we can let's say for the deist that believes in the hereafter and God's goodness and, and all of that stuff and judgment, we, if, if the deist believes that we can arrive at these things rationally, then they, then they would see a non-necessity in the idea of revelation. And, and uh, I, th I think the main problem with that is that, um, I mean, generally any line of reasoning you're going to take, there is going to be an aspect of non-necessity. I mean, reason, you don't have to be an absolutist about your reason. So, uh, if, even if we can't make the stronger case for revelation's necessity, just the fact that revelation is possible and rationally accessible by the deist standards, because we don't believe that we were just going to believe in revelation without reason. If revelation itself is rationally accessible, then that falls within the scope of what this kind of, um, basically, the deist that's very close to theism would would require so so um and i think one of the problems as, as jake was mentioning like the miracles and stuff like that and other aspects of religion that aren't necessarily uh, ra rationalizable um uh, we believe that they are we believe that they are indirectly <laughs> through revelation so yes there's let's say there's no logical or rational necessity in the existence of angels or something right but then it is rationally accessible if you can justify your belief in a particular revelation and you have solid rational ground in believing that it is of the good god that the deist believes in then if that god is good and you've arrived at all these stuff rationally then by testimony whatever that god tells you about the unseen world is rationally justifiable it is testimony is a, is a source of knowledge so yeah, i think that's just generally my 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 the most charitable account I can put for uh, put forward for deism, and just very briefly why why I find it problematic. Okay, does anyone want to sort of add on to what Abdul was saying there? No, I think that's pretty. No, much not not directly. On answered that part, the motivation no. and the explanation. Yeah. Okay, mashallah. So, what should we jump into now? So, we've got a number of questions we've written down here. I think. Uh, so, if you like, we could just start running through them if you want. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, we've answered the first one was what is deism, uh, so I think we've covered that pretty well. Second one, uh, whether the, what are the different views on deism? What's the common thread? I think we've covered that as well. Would you say? Or, yeah. Um, number three, what's the historical development and motivation for deism? We've covered that. Number four, how do we address creator without consciousness? So this is basically deism in in the form of viewing the creator as a sort of like a mechanical. Um, 
object almost like a, a thing that's just pumping out things it's not really aware of the things it's pumping out um it, it very much it, it ends up kind of moving towards this atheistic multiverse yeah. generators more like naturalism right i mean yeah yeah it's yeah pretty, it's pretty i it, mean because we, we had we, to make a distinction between them yeah we've talked about before uh and I think in stage two cosmological arguments about the argument for the, the necessary being having a will. And I think that's an important thing behind this discussion, because if the universe, um, you know, isn't eternal, didn't always exist alongside God, and there was a beginning to it and God chose by his will to create the universe. Well, then there's some type of intent and intelligence behind that. And you can't just get rid of that and sort of throw it by the wayside. Now, I think the question for the deist that I would have is, what's the reason that God chose to create? And um, from my perspective anyway on, on this whole question, I think the deist is going to have a difficult time answering that because it's just, is it just like a random quantum fluctuation, like a quantum event, uh, like a naturalistic explanation? Or is it something that, he chose to actually do he there was intent and will behind it and i think that's an important point for people to consider when thinking about deism yeah and just to add to that as well so this this obviously like we've just mentioned there is pretty much one for one very very similar to this atheistic naturalist approach to the 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 multiverse generator um now the thing is is so the they usually move towards this the multiverse theory in order to uh, explain the the sort of lottery win that we've we we have here with this particular universe. This you know the, we're not it's lottery win isn't even just um, a good analogy. Like it's like winning the lottery to win a ticket that gets you to win another lottery. That if you win, you get another ticket to another lottery. So like a lot, you, basically, you're winning loads of lotteries one after the other. Um, in order to get what we have here. And they do this because they, they want to move away from these ideas of sort of fine tuning. Um, and they, they want to say, well, you know, we can explain this and, you know, the, the unlikeliness of it if we have an infinite amount of universes being generated. Uh, now, th this really doesn't answer the problem. It just puts it back a step as well um, in the sense that, well, now you have this really complex thing that, is also seemingly fine-tuned in order to be able to produce universes and in within which the the realm of possibility is, is that you get a universe like the one we have here so you you don't really get away from this problem at all you, mm. you've still got the, the same issue just on a meta level on the the multiverse level yeah 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 and i think uh, just as jake uh, has also mentioned we this is why we did one of the shows on uh, stage two so this idea of does a necessary being have a will or is it just simply some mechanical force uh, out there? And I think, uh, you know, in that discussion, we, we sort of presented a number of arguments. We presented the argument that because an actual infinite cannot exist, uh, then uh, this results in the fact that the universe is a temporal being. It's something that became, uh, it didn't always exist. And if it didn't always exist, but the cause always existed, then the best explanation would be that the cause, I, this creator, had intentionality decided because the creator wasn't 
determined on to create yeah so you know if people want to go into that discussion more we can go uh, you know i'd recommend you just watch the the stream similarly we argued as well which is that consciousness exists within the universe we know consciousness exists uh, we had a discussion about the hard problem of consciousness where there's an unbridgeable gap between non-conscious uh, physical things motions in uh, you know matter and uh, particles in motion how this causes consciousness and you know the conclusion to that discussion was that actually because it's unbridgeable consciousness cannot be something that's a product of simply the physical uh, and materialistic and non-conscious agents so therefore there needs to be something that has actualized consciousness within the universe i within human beings and that requires therefore if there is a creator it would be the creator that's actualizing consciousness it cannot be a naturalistic non-conscious agent because naturalistic non-conscious things cannot cause consciousness so therefore it must be conscious so that was the third argument i think there was a fourth argument that we, as a third so that's the second argument third argument we sort of used uh, was the argument um that you know why why are we giving arbitrary limits to the creator that we don't see within the universe so within the universe we see human beings having consciousness but then we're suddenly saying that this unlimited necessary being does has all these properties except the property of consciousness this is just arbitrary and this renders the creator into a contingent rather than a necessary being uh, i think there was a fourth argument maybe abdul can remember the fourth argument uh, yeah, I think the fourth argument was was somewhere along the lines of uh, like a non-deterministic behavior, behavior that's not determined by external factors, and how that is analogous to to, to free will. I mean, it seems like there's something non-deterministic about the the way we freely behave. And uh, generally, I think I I think the deist is is always is already like on the same page with us as far as this question is concerned. Generally speaking, and. I don't know if I'd classify a deist who doesn't believe in a conscious creator as a deist. I think that's because there's this that's new age, you know, like there's there's this this trend these days of uh, atheists believing in a necessary foundation and a necessary eternal, even all powerful. They'll, they'll grant you everything except for the consciousness part, and they will call it a naturalistic explanation. Uh, I'm I'm not sure whether that would be deism or. Or, or, or naturalism, because even with the naturalist, I would tell them that they're they're just getting awfully close to a theistic conception of God. But but in any case, I think that generally deists uh, um, affirm that that the creator is conscious. And I, I think the question I would ask is precisely what what Jake asked. I mean, the, why did the creator create the universe? And uh, th there's there's this aspect of 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 um, wisdom that's just comes along with with any notion of consciousness or intentionality because what wisdom is is to create create something or do an action with some kind of end like as a means to an end uh, that's basically how we, we we act i mean the free will itself there might be an aspect of arbitrariness to it but the 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 intentionality of the action by almost by definition would have some kind of end to uh, uh, achieve. And uh, I think I, I read this somewhere in, uh, Bassam Zawadi has a very, very good paper on deism. I skimmed through it very quickly uh, a while ago. And I, I think that that's where uh, this is mentioned and there's a code on it. Uh, but, but generally speaking, consciousness and intentional action kind of uh, uh, indicates that there is a purpose behind uh, the action and you you can from there you can take it to the question of of uh, you know the supreme nature 
yeah, that's the paper. Ex excellent paper. Uh, you you can take it to the question of the supreme nature of of uh, of this deistic uh, uh, conception of God, and a lot of deists do affirm things like the goodness of God, the intelligence of God, maybe not like the uh, maybe not the omnipotence or omniscience of God or omnibenevolence of God, but maybe like the maximal or exceedingly. Uh, um, uh, you know, the, he's exceedingly good, he's exceedingly intelligent, exceedingly uh, uh, knowledgeable and powerful and whatnot. And that alone raises the question of if this being has an intention to create and there is always going to be an, an, a particular end to this means that you're putting forward, which is the act you're doing, then by... Uh, if if we if we contrast that with the supremacy of this being the supreme nature of this being and the maximal uh, um, traits he has in relation to ours, then you would expect that goal to be uh, greater than a goal that you would have for doing something. So um, yeah, so I think I think uh, there is an analogy to be made there between our intentions and things and and uh, and God's, and also also you can. Um, you can consider it from the angle of, of God's goodness and, and evil and what it means for God to be good and how that relates to God's intention and his interaction with, with, with creation. I, I also want to say something very quick about this interaction thing because there's this, it's almost like uh, there's this, because um, what is it to interact, right? It's almost as if there's this self-subsisting uh, or self-dependent uh, or independent thing and an, uh, interacting with it would be or, or intervening would be for me as like an external agent that's alien to the entity to to do something or to interact with it in a certain way but it's almost like that's that's um, i think that's an incorrect uh, uh, picture of the theistic god because we don't believe that god intervenes when he does miracles and Aside from that, he isn't interacting with the world. We believe that God sustains the world at every moment. And we believe that we can also arrive at that through reason. And a lot of deists agree with us uh, in, in that sense. So it, that it, almost, it almost becomes uh, um, you know, uh, superfluous, this, this idea of God's intervention, because he's already uh, uh, directly sustaining the world continuously, so I I I I don't understand how the question of intervention becomes relevant because uh, I mean by that uh, uh, by that understanding he's always intervening. Hello, um, should we move on to some other questions, or does anyone want to sort of jump on the back of what Abdul was saying? There? No, so uh, we got here as well. So how do we address the idea? Uh, so as well, if I can just get everyone to keep the answers to these as succinct as possible, uh, we're about 40 minutes in um, and inshallah, we want to try and move on to uh, bringing guests on. Um, so let's yeah try to keep it succinct, inshallah. So yeah, uh, number five, how do we address the idea of an imperfect creator who isn't worthy of worship? Um, so yeah, this obviously uh, coincides with this notion within deism um, that you know God isn't really interested in us. And so, therefore, worship is pretty pointless. You know, if yeah. God isn't interacting with you, he's not trying to guide you, um, it gets to this point where it's like, well, why would you worship this thing? You know, if it's not even really paying attention to you, um, it's not really bothered whether you're doing that or not, why do it? Um, yeah, so... I, so I think, yeah, I think uh, really quickly, so I think uh, what it, the one 
strand of deism, which I don't, as I think I mentioned at the beginning, is this idea that, yes, there is a creator, but it's an imperfect creator, therefore it's not worthy of worship. Therefore, we don't even have to seek out, you know, revelation or anything, how to worship it whatsoever. But the idea would be self-contradictory, because if you come to a conclusion of a necessary being, you're coming to a conclusion that this being is basically perfect. So there is the necessity for a necessary being because of the imperfection and the weakness of contingent beings. Contingent beings could always be another way. But with regards to uh, uh, the, the necessary being, it cannot be any other way. So if you've got an imperfect necessary being, it could be slightly more perfect or slightly better. Therefore, it wouldn't be considered a necessary being. So as a result, we could sort of discount this idea that this necessary being would be imperfect just a self-contradiction in that in that sense can't hear you you're muted bro jake sorry do you want to add something no no i'm good with that i think we yeah. could move on maybe to the next question kind of yeah, rapid so, fire this so number six how do we address the creator creating the world and isn't interested in it yeah, so this sort of ties to the notion as well. It's like uh, the, the the being that like puts all this effort into making an aquarium and then just doesn't even maintain it, just leaves it. And how then, if it's leaving it and it's not really maintaining it, do you get this increase in complexity um, rather than just what you see in, for example, if you leave um, a, a very well put together aquarium, it gets more and more chaotic. It gets worse. You, you never really get this sort of movement up towards a complexity um, or more order. Um, so do, does anyone want to jump in on that? Maybe Abdurrahman or Jake? Uh, you've not yeah, yeah. so um, I guess I would have to ask the person, well, what do they mean that God is not interested in the world, right? Because if, if even many deists believe that God at minimum conserves the world and he maintains it, you know, every moment in time, well, then obviously he's interested in it in some degree. He didn't just create it and then it poofed out of existence like five minutes later. I mean, he's been sustaining it over billions of years based on uh, the most current science. So, I mean, to me, that's enough to show, well, whatever, whoever the creator is, he's got to be interested in it to some degree because it's not like he just created it and then all of a sudden – you know, it's gone. So, I mean, at minimum, if he's conserving the universe at every moment, to me, that shows interest already right off the bat. And then yeah. we can just talk about more. Well, if he's doing that, then it seems like he would care about the things that are in the universe because he wants them to continue to exist. And so maybe he would uh, like some sort of relationship with humans or with the beings in the universe and provide guidance. That's where sort of the next step comes in. But I think this idea of a creator who creates the world and has no interest whatsoever is completely ridiculous based on even a, a common deist exception of the fact that God is sustaining the universe at every moment. So, yeah, 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 because well, yeah. that, that's the great point there is that it, it's, it's not as if, these things can just be sort of created and then left to run on their own. The, everything um, staying as it is, the laws continuing to be the way they are, 
requires that the, the the creator of them is sustaining them. Like to what's stopping them from just ceasing to be the way they are or just to to everything to just drift off into a, a, a thin layer of dust. Like yeah. there, there, there is this um, idea that, you know, that whatever is creating the universe is not just creating it, but continually sustaining it and yeah. allowing it to, to continue to be in existence and not just poof and disappear. Yeah. And that kind of um, goes into the next question there. Number seven, you were kind of, touching on it already so i don't know if you want to expand on that can, or if anybody else just, wants to go just really yeah. quickly very briefly so obviously a contingent being of those things which are possible beings they could be in another way yeah they could have different attributes they could not necessarily exist yeah so when we're positing a necessary being what we're saying is that this necessary being had to determine every single attribute of every single possible being that exists in the entire universe yeah so it is very much the case that the creator, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, is intervening in maintaining and ensuring that every attribute is fixed in a particular way. Yeah. So therefore, when we boil water, we don't necessarily think that water is going to boil at 110 degrees Celsius at room conditions rather than 100 degrees Celsius. You know, we expect that. So there is a consistency within the universe. That consistency comes from a necessary being who's a basically determining the different attributes uh within existence Abdurrahman, so just uh, just just to add on to what jake said just to sort of clarify that point yeah no problem yeah yeah no i think i think you guys covered it that's okay cool. so this this now transitions to the the next question so the universe operates according to natural law and doesn't need the creator now how do you think the best because i guess the an argument that could be made here is that well why can god not just make a law um that then he can move away from and no longer requires him to to keep it as it is it's sort of like it's a stamp he sets it uh and then you're know, like like a computer program for example you you write your computer program and then you walk away um why is it that that isn't uh conceivable so I guess an interesting point here is even with the analogies that we give here, for example, with the computer, it's not like you can just leave a computer and then walk away. There are other things that it requires in order to keep itself going. For example, it needs energy. And in order to get the energy in there, you need people maintaining uh, you know, the infrastructure, which gives rise to the power that sort of allows these things to continue. Um, so I think any sort of analogy that we give in order to try to justify this sort of disinterested God that creates um, the natural laws and then takes a step back and leaves them. Ultimately, for, oh, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> what was that? Baby just invaded. One moment, one moment. Yeah, does someone jump on that while I uh, just get the baby out there? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I, think, I, think, I think it's a question of... Uh, so so for me, I think it is conceivable, right? That um, That... God creates. Uh, I'm not saying He would walk away stuff for Allah. What I'm saying is that that uh, this idea that something could be uh, God could give something the capacity to have this like inherent causal power. It, it, it doesn't seem plausible to me, but it's conceivable at least. But for me, that's not the fundamental question. If you're asking whether God cares about the universe, uh, or or if you're asking whether um, there is some kind of purpose behind God's creation of the universe. Because even if God did create uh, the universe with some kind of uh, 
inherent causal power, he did, as Sharif just put it, he did create everything within the universe to operate based on certain laws, which has certain consequences, it just, you know, has certain deterministic consequences, if you like. And, and the fact that that's the case, and the fact that God has that level of intelligence and as we as we mentioned earlier you know this exceeding maximal level of intelligence that would again indicate some kind of intentionality and purpose behind God's creation and uh, you know something else is the the idea that you know these causal questions these cosmological questions aren't really the only questions we're trying to answer they're not the only questions out there so there, there there's a question of explanatory depth as well when you're trying to assess uh, a theory there's whether it explains the data at hand and we we uh, the, the idea of the cause of the universe we've addressed that the 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 theist answer it and answers it and the deist answers it but what follows that and and the purpose and the intentionality of the creation creator in relation to his intelligence as well as our moral intuitions and our sense of moral accountability and the teleology of the universe that many deists a lot of deists agree with these are things that need to be explained as well in light of whatever theory you're proposing and theism explains that much much better than deism ever, ever could I'm back. Sorry about that, guys. The uh, that's okay. My daughter just absolutely rampaged in. <laughs> no worries, bro. She's working for the FBI. <laughs> but um, yeah. So uh, what did I miss? Is there anything else you wanted to sort of add to that, or should we move on to the the next? The final question. The final question. Uh, right. So, uh, so did you just talk about miracles? Did you move on to the next question while I was not here? why we expect special revelation that one yeah no but we were just when i was here before yeah. the fbi kicked my door in um we were talking about the natural laws the universe yeah yeah the natural laws. there's another one after that miracles are impossible no we didn't move on i i addressed that one so right now you can move on to, to the next oh one. right yeah the miracles are impossible sorry I'd, uh, i've got a different list but yeah there's that one okay. yeah so yeah miracles are impossible therefore god cannot intervene in the universe uh, so. we, had, we, had, we had a whole stream about this one. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I, I guess mean, we could just uh, refer people to that stream. I think Jake, um, Jake, you can, you can, you, Jake, Jake might have something to say about this, maybe. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah, I mean, like you guys said, people can go back and watch the uh, stream that we had on these, uh, the, the question of whether or not miracles are logically impossible and whether or not they cause a serious problem. Um, they're several different ways that we attacked it. But one of the ways is by saying that there's nothing really about the, the laws that are absolutely logically necessary. You know, they may be necessary in some sense in terms of our, our, our physical universe, but they're not, they don't have a logical necessity. And so there's no reason for which we should even have the laws in the way that they are that calls out for an explanation which we think is the creator. That's, that's one point, but the idea that a miracle can sort of contradict a law of nature doesn't really make sense. And the, the way that I explained it is that uh, laws of nature, whether it be uh, laws of thermodynamics, for example, you take uh, laws of therm thermodynamics, they depend and are conditional laws that are dependent upon what's called a isolated system. So it says, if the system is isolated, then this is what you should expect to occur. 
even within the definition of the supposed natural law, is a conditional statement. A conditional statement implies contingency. Therefore, it is not a necessary law. And given that fact, there's nothing about it that would be a logical necessity. Uh, the second thing is that if a miracle were to occur, that it would be an example in which the system is not isolated, which means because an isolated system is a system in which there's no causal in, uh, influence from outside of the system. So there, there's no exchange of matter and energy either from in the system or outside of it and vice versa. And so if that's the case, if a miracle were to occur, it would be an instance in which there would be an exchange of matter and energy or at least causal influence from outside of the system, in which case the, the conditional law that these natural laws are built upon of the system being isolated wouldn't be fulfilled. Therefore, the law wouldn't apply. It's not that the law would be contravened or contradicted. It's just that it would be an instance in which the conditional uh, thing that the law is based on wouldn't work. It, it wouldn't be applied. So there's really no contradiction there. There's there's several other ways that we can approach uh, this discussion of why there is no logical incompatibility between miracles and laws of nature. But I'd refer um, the viewers back to a stream where we had a whole stream on it. You know, the other brothers gave their take on it. Uh, we each kind of offered a different way of arguing the point. And I think um, people are free to check that out if they want more information. I saw that. And so the, the last one here is, uh, why expect special revelation? So we'll, uh, what compels us to expect or seek out revelation? So if we can give like a rather succinct answer to this, and then inshallah we'll start interacting um, with the, the guests. Just so you know now, the, the link to join the stream is pinned in the live chat. So if you're watching now, just head to the top. You should see a blue bar um, with a comment from the Thought Adventure podcast saying, join the stream, and then a link. If you click that, it will take you to StreamYard. Uh, and inshallah, we can pull you up on the panel uh, one at a time for a discussion on this particular subject matter. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, and so I, I just, before, we, yeah, before we get to the last question, I just want to add to that. Obviously, there's not as many deists out there. It's not very popular position. But if we do have any deists in the uh, comment section and would like to join the live stream, we would like to give deists a, an absolute preference to join. Otherwise, we will take comments or questions from other, uh, you know, different pe people with different worldviews. But deists would be obviously, um, you know, preferred in this situation. Yeah, and for those of you who are new here as well, um, so this isn't going to be sort of like a mobbing. I know there are four of us, but the, the emphasis on this show in particular is to have polite conversation. So if you're anxious or nervous that we might try to embarrass you or anything like that, we give you our word now that this isn't the ethos that we, we run with. Um, it, it's going to be a civil conversation where you just get to say what you say um, and we'll have a back and forth where maybe we'll tease uh, certain answers out of you with particular questions and kind of work on that uh, and vice versa obviously you can ask us questions um, as well with regards to that so um, yeah so with regards to the question that um, we were sort of ending the very very long introduction with um, why should we expect revelation um, I'll slide the ball over to Sharif for this one um, what is it that compels us to expect 
or seek out revelation? So, uh, as I mentioned earlier about the issue of contingent beings, contingent beings are possible beings whose attributes have to be determined or actualized by a necessary being. And as human beings, we have certain attributes which are not necessary for ourselves. For example, we have this desire to engage in uh, moral acts. We want to be seen as moral human beings, yeah, moral agents. Now, that desire to be seen as moral agents, you know, even if people want to argue, well, it's an evolutionary trait or it's whatever it is that we develop these things, what we came to this conclusion is that everything within the universe, whatever process the universe came about as a result, was actualized and determined by the Creator, by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Therefore, the desire to want to be seen as moral agents is not something that comes from you know us per se, but it comes from this necessary being, this Creator. So this Creator is saying, look, you know, He's created us with this desire to want to be moral. Now, how do we understand morality? How do we ground morality? It means we have to ground it within the Creator. And it, it's not something that we can come to naturally from our own minds. We therefore need special revelation in order to tell us, certainly on the, the details uh, of, uh, of morality, what is it are good or what is it that's bad. Yeah? So, so as human beings, if I'm trying to work out what my moral outlook is, I'm going to have to look out for look for a message from my creator. That's firstly. Second argument would be this argument from Fitrah, which is again, from the human being, we have this attribute that desires to worship. This desire to worship ultimately is created or determined by the necessary being, by this creator. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this creator is created within human beings, whatever through the, whatever mechanism, but ultimately it's been created within human beings with this desire to connect with the creator. How do we connect with the Creator? Well, either I know what the Creator wants in terms of my connection and relationship, or I would have to have re revelation from the Creator to tell me how to connect and form that relationship with the Creator. Because my mind is limited and I'm trying to connect with the unlimited, then I need the unlimited, I, this Creator, this necessary being, to tell me how to worship, how to form this relationship, and therefore how to satisfy this instinct or this fitra of sanctification or worship that seeks out this worship so therefore as a human being even if i come to the conclusion that a necessary being exists a necessary being has will intentionality a necessary being intervenes within the universe by maintaining the universe uh, or at least determining the universe's various laws then at the same time i as a human being would seek out moral guidance and also guidance of how to worship from the creator by seeking out a message from the creator however that message comes to me uh, but I would be looking for that. So that's how I would go through that process of why we would be concerned, why it becomes more compelling to the mind to seek out a message or a messenger from this divine being, this necessary being. Just just a small follow-up there, just a small follow-up, because some deists would say that we can arrive at certain things like uh, certain objective moral facts rationally. And and even if we were to concede that, uh, because maybe, maybe we could, then uh, we still don't have a means at arriving at things like uh, uh, moral particulars. So you can arrive at, maybe you can arrive at moral universals, but moral particulars are very significant within, you know, how we determine our moral framework and, and our uh, uh, basically uh, conduct in, in this world. The second thing is what, what Sharif was saying about, you know, our intuitions and our, our fitra and our, you know, a desire to worship God. And, and what some people would say is that, you know, that intuition doesn't have to be reliable and they can be skeptical of it. But then see, 
once you arrive at a, a, a intentional creator of the universe, rationally speaking, that should already widen your scope of acceptable evidence. Because if 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 I'm looking for evidence for why a certain event occurred, and and I uh, I know that the cause is purely naturalistic. I will look at the event in a the, the 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 sorry the effect in a naturalistic way. If I have a means to determine that the cause is an intentional intentional agent, I'll look at the effect and I'll alter my view of the effect. So what the cause is alters our view of how to deal with the effect that we're observing, and it sort of widens or uh, uh, narrows our uh, scope of uh, you know uh, acceptable evidence so things like our intuitions about god and our desire to worship god the fact that they were created by god is something that needs to be taken into consideration also if the deist is going to be skeptical of this intuition on the basis that you know what god could have given it to us for 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 no reason and you know maybe he's just enjoying it or whatever or it, it doesn't mean anything well you should be skeptical about your reason as well because maybe god gave you a reason what if he just gave it to you and he's misleading you to 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 the uh, you know to uh, the, the the conclusions that you arrive at so uh, yeah i think i think all in all uh, uh, this this idea that your scope of evidence should be widened as a deist is is uh, is is a plausible idea. Okay, mashallah. So we've pretty much gone through all of the sort of questions that we've highlighted there, which we think are important to um, go over. So we're going to move on to now bringing guests onto the show. Like we just want to emphasize here, deists are going to be given preferential treatment. Uh, if you do want to join the stream, the link is pinned in the live chat. Uh, so if you're have a look in the live chat. You look at the top. There's going to be a constant comment that doesn't move by Thought Adventure Podcast saying join the stream and then a link. Click that and you'll be taken to the back of the studio and we'll bring you in. Um, and obviously, if you're a deist in the private chat, if you could just let us know with a comment uh, that you are a deist as well, inshallah. But anyway, so we're going to bring on our first guest. Uh, we've got here Thinkerman. Hello, Thinkerman. Hello, guys. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. So, can we just get a bit of a background about who you are, what you believe, whether or not you're a deist, and um, obviously we can get the conversation going there. Yeah, so uh, I'm 27 years old. Uh, I used to be Muslim. I won't say I'm not a Muslim anymore, but uh, I'm still thinking about it. Uh, I have, and uh, as far as my research is going and what I believe now, I feel that. Um, Atheism is the most likely option so far, then deism, and then lastly, theism. But it's not like I've come to a conclusion. I'm still searching. But that's what I think so far. Okay, so with regards to the, the topic of this particular conversation, obviously it's deism versus theism. Um, yep. So do you want to take the position of deism here, um, you know, for the, for the sake of obviously the, the subject matter? Um, and so you're saying that you find deism more reasonable than theism um yeah is that your position yeah yeah sure uh, and i would like to talk about uh, two things uh, one would be uh, uh, your claim that something that begins to exist has a cause because you use that to get to uh, theism right um no that, that, would also, that would lead to deism as well by the way so we're not going to be discussing that in particular because deism presupposes that also like i i'm with you on a necessary being I think that an infinite regress is probably impossible. 
Uh, so we, we don't need to have a discussion on on that then in particular. So the the main thing we really want to focus on here, and we don't want to get distracted with other conversations that are superfluous or irrelevant to the particular topic, which is specifically deism versus theism. Yep. So which points would you like to talk about with regards so I guess, to that? I guess that uh, uh, then we, we should talk about why that necessary being has to be God. Why does it have to have... Uh, Consciousness. Like, and yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I mean... What brand of deism would you represent that would say otherwise? <clears throat> I mean, I'm this is a genuine question. Because uh, I, I think deism assumes that the, the necessary being is a creator god, isn't it? Right. So uh, if it's then a... that's, that's pretty much just atheism versus theism or atheism versus deism at that point. So for, for the purpose of this argument, I'll assume that uh, a creator God did create the universe, but he's not interested in intervening. He just wants to observe something like that. That, that would be my position for, for this argument. Okay. And what, why would you think that? Uh, it's because uh, it's not that I, I think that that's necessarily the case, but I think that since we cannot know for sure what God's mind is, how he makes his decisions, exactly what's his nature, what his nature is. So it's a possibility that uh, he just wanted to um, create the universe so he, so he can observe us. He doesn't have that much interest in intervening. Okay, so were you listening to the stream earlier when we were having a discussion? Uh, not, not, not all of it. I, I heard some of okay. it, but not all. We yeah. tried to pour, put forth a few points as to why we think that God would care about the universe and would be interested in it. Uh, hey, yeah. Can you give me like one or two so I can give you a, like a counter argument or if I agree with it, then I'll say that I agree with, I, I agree with you. Okay. So, I mean, typically one of the examples I gave was that uh, even under deism, most forms of it assume that God is not only the creator of the universe, but he's the sustainer of the universe at every moment in time. And if God is every moment in time sustaining the universe, well, then it seems that he cares about it in some way. Otherwise, why didn't he just create it and, you know, sort of let it go? Um, so that was one example. And then Sharif also gave an example about uh, the contingent things in the universe didn't have to be the way that they are. And the way that they are, are because of God himself. And so that would show that he would care about not only the universe, but everything in it down to the smallest degree. So Sharif, I don't know if you want to expand on that point any further or if I represented you well enough. Yeah, yeah. So I was just going to ask Thinkerman. Uh, so you, you sort of said that you agree that there needs to be a necessary being. Is that right? Yeah, for the sake of the argument, uh, I agree. I'd rather not for the sake of the argument. I want to know what you believe. I understand we were talking I, about I personally, theism. Yeah, go I on. personally do think that it's uh, that if I had to make a choice, I would say that a uh, necessary being or beings do exist. Okay, so why would you affirm a necessary being? Uh, because uh, I, I think an infinite regress uh, does not seem like the better explanation. Okay, so in terms of the necessary being, you sort of asked a question about consciousness. So are you thinking that, okay, so we've come to a conclusion that the necessary being, 
because there's a you know impossibility or absurdity of the infinite regress, so it's more likely for a necessary being. Uh, so what stops you now from being a theist as opposed to an atheist? Yeah, uh, the question is again that uh, that necessary being we know next to nothing about it. It could be yeah. a natural thing. It could be um, con- it could be a conscious being. Yes, that is a possibility. But I'm not sure how to uh, what evidence we have to conclude that it's definitely a conscious being and it cares about us. Okay, so one of the arguments would be is uh, if the universe is uh, an if the universe is finite, meaning everything that exists, the contingent beings are all contingent beings are all finite, uh, but this necessary being is eternal. Yeah, then you have this problem of an eternal cause but a temporal effect. I'm not. I, I don't agree that the necessary being is eternal. But but that's but, the definition of a necessary being. Yeah. So do, do you know no, no. when we say necessary, the definition of that is that it cannot not exist. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, by eternal, I mean uh, I don't think that it's eternal in the past. Necessarily, I think that uh, all of reality. Uh, I mean, this is speculation. I'm not saying that I have evidence to back this up, but it, it but it is a speculation that all of reality started a certain point, uh, a certain a number of years ago, and before that, it's not like there was nothing. It's just there was no before that. Speaking before that would be absurd. So there, yeah, then, so then it it did come from nothing because it began without a cause. There's no explanation for the cause. Yep, it's the same as a god, I, I would say, that it's not like it came from nothing, like there was nothing, and then oh, something came into existence, not like that. It's yeah, like there was a first God is of time. God is eternal. So it's not, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not analogous. And, and the situation that you're bringing up is sort of like an Graham Oppian view, uh, where you have something that begins, it has a beginning, without a cause yes it's a brute fact no but it's not it's not merely just a brute fact you're saying that you think that something can have a beginning without a cause yes okay based on what based on the necessity of uh, something having to begin because uh, i think an infinite regress is unlikely okay why is it unlikely to have something that's necessary and eternal uh, by eternal, uh, I, I don't think that it's it's possible to have something go infinitely into the past because I think it would run into the same infinite regress problem. And if by eternal you mean that like it had a starting point before which there was no before which, and then in that sense I can grant you that I also agree that uh, there was a necessary being which was eternal. But I do think that that eternal necessary thing did have a starting point. If it had, a, but this is the thing. So what you're saying there is contradictory if it had a starting point what you're saying is is there was a moment before that starting point where there, no, there was, was there was no moment before that starting point speaking before the starting point is absurdity there is no before it how are you That's defining what I mean, time so. thinker man how are you defining time time would be i think um, a measure of change okay Something like so that. there was a point where there was no change yeah is that what you're saying? And then there was a point that there was change. Um, yeah, sure. I think. Right. And so did, not, did this necessary sure. being this did this necessary being exist 
during the point in which there was no change? There, there was no point in time in which uh, the necessary being did not exist, right? Okay. okay. As soon as time began, the necessary thing was there uh, almost with, with, with the start of time. It coincides yeah, yeah. with the start of time. So that right. isn't to say that the necessary being had a starting point. That's just to say that the necessary being existed at a point where there was no change. And so by your definition of time, no time. But that doesn't mean that the necessary being had a starting point. It just means that when time began, that that necessary being was present. That's not, that's not the same thing as what you were saying, where you were making the claim that the necessary being has a starting point. Yeah, think a man. The best way is substitute the word time and past. Just substitute that with, with the word change. Yeah. Because you're saying time is the measurement of change. So you're saying that there was a point where there was no change. Yeah. So there's X that existed with no change. And then afterwards it caused Y, which had change. Right. Does that, does that make sense? So, so there was a point before which there was nothing. At that point, something existed. I don't know what it was, but it was a necessary being. I'm not saying time was the only thing that existed at that point. There was something other than time as well, of course, that caused the universe to shape it into what okay, it is today. But think, man, you, we have to be really careful with the words and the terminologies that we use. So when we use the word necessary being, we're talking about something that's eternal, that ha always exists, yeah, doesn't cease to exist. When we talk about contingent being, we're talking about something that doesn't always exist, can exist, cannot exist, can exist in another way. So that's a contingent being. So if you're saying necessary being began or, you know, there was a point where the necessary being, you know, did something or began to exist, then you're you're not positing a necessary being anymore. You're positing a contingent being. Does that make sense, Thinker Man? Uh Listen, even if I take your definition uh, or, or my definition uh, that time would be a measurement of change, yeah. uh, how, how is this uh, stance uh, not correct or contradictory? Because then what you're saying is you're saying that there's X which is, exists uh, eternally. So eternally in this context would be that X exists uh, perpetually without change. Yeah. And yep. that this thing, X... This, this unchanging state caused something to occur, which then changed. Right. Yeah. So the Does contradiction, uh, what would well, be the contradiction? It's not necessarily contradiction. I'm just saying this is what, this is what you would say, isn't it? It's the yeah, opposition. Yeah, yeah. The only yeah. contradiction would be present in you saying that this necessary being had a starting point. Yeah. That's, That's the only... Thing that's an issue because this suggests that there was a moment when the um or that the, the obviously because you're making that argument because you're trying to say the necessary being isn't eternal because it had a beginning but if it yes. had a beginning yeah then there was prior to that that because what what does it mean to say that there's a beginning if there wasn't a something or a nothing in which that beginning became present Maybe, maybe as well. Another way to think about this thinker man is this: is if you've got an unchanged, because some cosmologists they argue for that prior to this universe there was an unchanging state. Now, if you've got an unchanging state, what do you expect that unchanging state to to do? It remains unchanging, isn't it? 
Right. Yeah. So for it to then change and cause things that do change, yeah, then you have to have a reason and explanation for that. If it's unchanging, it's not going to change. If it's unchanging eternally, it will remain unchanging eternally. Yeah. But we don't live in an unchanging state. We live in a changing state. So something's happened to this unchanging state to cause things to change. Right. Uh, but what, what I'm saying is that it's not, a, I'm not arguing for an unchanging state, right? What I'm saying is that there was an initial start of starting point of time. Otherwise we'd run into the infinite regress, which we, which we want to avoid. That's why we, that's why time began a certain, well, certain time uh, ago. And from that moment, and on that moment, there was something that existed or some things that existed and they caused other things to happen. Uh, I would take, take it back that there was never a time when there was no change. I would say that change has always been there. And uh, before that change, it would, it would be absurd. But, but can, can, can I try to, try to help? I want to try to help Thinkerman a bit. Yes. So, yeah, let me try to help you a bit, Thinkerman. So what you're basically saying is if you're going to respond to what Sharif is saying about the necessary being, then what you want to say is that there is a necessary event. Okay. And that necessary event, uh, it brought this first necessary thing into existence. And the reason that occurred, the only explanation you have for that is necessity. It's only it. It occurred without a cause, and your only explanation for that is the idea that it's necessary. Why is it necessary? Because you want to avoid an infinite regress. Why do you want to avoid an infinite regress? Because an infinite regress seems to be absurd. Now, here's a question. Is something ha ha being uncaused? Is something having a beginning and being uncaused absurd, or is it not absurd? By the same lines that you determine that an infinite regress is absurd, would you be able to apply a similar type of reasoning to bring the position that something can begin uncaused to an absurdity? Uh, I would say that it's not ne necessarily absurd because there is no other way uh, other than an infinite regress. So it's necessary. Like if you were to say that in our universe uh, or, or in Earth, something is coming out of nothing, then yes, I would say that that uh, is, seems very unlikely or maybe even impossible, depending on your worldview. But at the start of the cosmos, we don't know what, what the conditions were at that time. And I don't think it would be absurd to say that something came... Uh, but Thinkerman, focus for a second, because you're, you're saying that an infinite regress is problematic, but you don't know what an infinite regress is like, and you could... I could apply the same kind of reasoning to tell you, well, hey, why don't we just accept the idea of an infinite regress because we don't know what an infinite regress is like where we're limited by a finite reality. So by, by your line of reasoning, both are, uh, you know, uh, 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 you know uh, out there, both are options that are available for the taking. So why do you choose one over the another? And in response to the charge of absurdity to the one that you choose, you appeal to mystery, but you say that I can't do the same thing for an infinite regress. There's just one problem with the infinite regress. Otherwise, 
uh, I would have said that it's completely possible because uh, I don't uh, agree with it because I think that there's a contradiction in it uh, for, for some the reasons that what, Sharif, what's, the, what's the contradiction? Yeah, Sharif mentioned it in a video. I heard him say it and I agreed with him. He said that uh, for this moment to happen, an infinite amount of time would have to end and an infinite amount of time ending is a contradiction. Okay, okay, so but my basic point here, good, okay. My basic point here is this, is that you find an infinite regress unreasonable because of the contradiction you just provided. Yes. Something uh, beginning to exist without cause can be equally as reasonable and absurd, I'm sure, just by, uh, you know, a commonsensical approach to these questions, you can bring it to an absurdity an infinite regress is a huge ontological cost that you might want to avoid. And you're like, okay, let me look for another option. Something beginning to exist without a cause seems to be a huge ontological cost as well. So by your line of reasoning, I want to apply what you're saying to both of these options. I want to say that I want to avoid both of these ontological costs. And I want to look for an option that allows me to evade both. That's the option we're providing you. So if you're going to be consistent about wanting to avoid absurdities, uh, whether it's a contradiction or whether it's just, you know, it just seems like a, an absurd belief you don't want to hold to, you should be open to the third op option we're provided, which is a necessary being that exists eternally without the idea of an infinite regress. Because in the case of eternity, God could, on certain models, exist in a timeless state, which you already acknowledge. You, you acknowledge there is a changeless state. So there is a changeless state, and that changeless state is does seem to be the most coherent answer to these two problems here. You should hold on to that one, although you might face the same problem of how is it the case. But you seem to be the kind of guy who wants to get rid of these absurdities, right? So there is a changeless state, and this necessary being that we're proposing that is eternal doesn't have this uh, uh, ontology of an infinite regress by successive addition, right? So there isn't the same absurdity could be avoided, you know, on certain models of this necessary being. So why don't you go for that option rather than the clearly absurd claim that something can begin to exist without cause? Uh, okay, so I fully acknowledge that uh, the, there is a definitely a possibility that uh, a necessary being like God created everything. Definitely, it's I don't think it's any more or any less uh, absurd than the other option which I gave, which was something uh, starting without a without a cause, because before it there was no there was there wasn't there was no before. But the but reason then why, I, why why are you choosing one over the other? Uh, it, well, maybe we just changed his mind. <laughs> yeah. Because, no, I mean, yeah. at this point, before you you gave the order, you said atheism, then deism, then theism. And now you're saying that they're equally likely. So at that point, you, you would have to say maybe they're tied for first. You wouldn't be able to keep that order. Yes. And, and, and in that case, I'd ask why you would go for one over the other. The thing, with, the thing with theism is, uh, especially the theology of uh, uh, the Abrahamic religions, 
I, I personally, uh, I would like to understand how the, uh, the God that you're proposing uh, avoids an infinite regress. You mentioned that it does, but I'm not sure I understand. And, and one more thing, uh, I did say that the, there was a time when there was no change, but then I took it back and I said that, no, there was never a time when there was no change. What about, what about deism without getting into Abrahamic God? What about deism? Yeah, uh, the thing with the only reason I put deism second was because uh, all the religions that I've studied, I've seen some things that uh, seem that don't seem right to me, and that's why I put deism in second. Yeah, but deism doesn't involve a religion. Yeah, yeah, so exactly. That's why I put it second. Yeah, but no. Why is he putting it second below atheism? Because I think. Uh, Atheism makes more sense given the the problem of evil and 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 why would a why would a god that's all perfect why would he do anything it's problems like those you, I guess. you don't have to, you don't have yeah. to believe in an all all perfect god on deism but but the, you see the the issue the issue here is this right now right now you're trying to solve a problem right there's this issue of an infinite regress and you're asking the question how can your your the necessary being you're positing avoid an infinite regress. What we're yes. saying is that there is a changeless state that, you know, the ontology of this changeless state, even if you're going to posit some kind of, you know, uh, um, divine uh, uh, notion of, of, of time, we acknowledge, if we're going to be consistent, we acknowledge that there can't be a state where there is an endless existence that is, is formed by successive addition. Right. Sorry, what just really quickly, Abdul, just that, really quickly yeah. sorry. Do you understand that point, Thinker Man, what he just said about successive addition? Yeah, uh, I understand, but it still seems a bit uh, impossible. No, no, he hasn't, he hasn't completed his argument. I'm just saying, do you understand yeah. what he means? That you cannot create an infinite, an actual infinite through successive addition. That's what he said. Do you agree? Yeah, I mean... I mean in other words, you can't add one, add one, add one, and, and ever come to creating an actual infinite because there's always another one you can add. Yes. Yes, I agree. Okay. So what was the contradiction? What was the contradiction you mentioned about the infinite regress that you found problematic? Uh, uh, Sharif yeah. mentioned it. So there's a, there's a contradiction, and, and it relates to this idea of successive addition. So the idea here is that if there is an eternal state that is not actualized necessarily by a successive addition and maybe it isn't even a, 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 a quantitative infinite it's a qualitative infinite then this notion avoids the idea of an infinity by successive addition now you you're saying it still seems impossible can you explain why uh, yeah the it's, it's what sharif said earlier that the how would you produce change in a changeless state? So God existed in a, in this changeless state where there was no time. Then yeah, how that's, that's, that's think, the idea of on, the yeah. free will. So that's, yeah, that's think, where you have yeah, from your right. own experience. That's what you have. Go ahead, Sharif. Yeah, I was going to say, think, man, what I was doing, I wasn't necessarily positing this is the creator. I was, I was explaining to you how your own position, if you were to affirm a changeless state, which has no will, yeah, which simply... Uh, is a changeless state it wouldn't change so you'd have that particular problem so because we know we live in a we live in change so we go back we have a necessary being the necessary being avoids an infinite regress 
we say that this necessary being, you know, uh, it does not exist within this causal relationship, yeah, which is this idea that something is causing something else within itself or whatever, and it regresses. It doesn't exist as an actual infinite, which is a successive addition that equals infinity. It is a qualitative infinite. This qualitative infinite that's always existed caused the universe. Does that in any way seem unreasonable to you? Uh, yeah, I get, I, I get the idea of a qualitative oh. infinite. I don't really know whether a qualitative infinite is uh, in reality something that's possible or not. But but I understand what you're saying, for sure. So right. can I ask as well? So go on, Shreve. No, I was going to say oh, just simply. One more thing. One so, more thing. Uh, yeah. yeah, yes, sorry. You, you can speak. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, so So what we've come to is we've come to the conclusion that there's a necessary being. This necessary being is eternal. Eternal doesn't necessarily mean eternal within a successive edition. This is really important. It doesn't mean, eternal doesn't necessarily mean that it's undertaking, you know, uh, you know, eternality in lots of different times, yeah, that exist in lots of different paths. Doesn't mean that. It just means that it's eternal in respect to of always existing. Yeah. So that's what we're saying. Something always existed or cannot cease to not exist. That's first thing. Secondly, we're saying that this thing that always existed and cannot cease not to exist caused the universe, caused something which is temporal, which didn't always exist. And that temporality that didn't always exist, yeah, is the effect of this cause. Now, if the cause is eternal, the effect would have to be eternal. But if the cause is eternal and the effect is temporal, then there needs to be something more than just simply having the naturalistic cause. You need to have a cause that had intentionality. Yeah. So that's one argument for the intentionality of a necessary being. I mean, yeah. Thinkerman, I mean, this is this is this is something you have direct access to because your innermost human experience uh, does point to this this idea of you know uh, free will. It's just it's just 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 subjectively obvious, and it's probably more obvious than anything out there. You you can you can investigate from a third person perspective, and the idea here, what what Sharif was saying, is that if 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 you can. You know, you you can already grasp the idea of a changeless state. I'm, I maybe you took it back. You don't understand what the state is, but if you're saying there is a starting point in time, then you can understand that there. If you can understand that there is change, then you can also understand that there's changelessness. And if from changelessness, change comes, you need some kind of n truly, literally non-deterministic event to take place, not like epistemically non-deterministic in the sense that you don't know what the cause is, but non-deterministic in the sense that it causes without a cause. And if you're talking about evidence, the closest thing we have to the idea of something occurring causelessly or without a cause, non-deterministic causation, is our own free will. And, and a lot of times I find it problematic that uh, uh, people don't look to this 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 uh, uh, data point, which is the most accessible in human experience, as a point of evidence that you could like define something that behaves causelessly or behaves without external influence 
as something that has free will. And if there's anything that behaves like that, it has to be that changeless state that non-mechanistically brings about change. Now, now there's, here's something very interesting. Uh, before, when I said to you that there was something that existed without a cause, you said that that idea was absurd. But I said that given the circumstances, it might be possible. But now you're saying that all the time when people make decisions, some every single time a person makes a decision, something uh, uncaused is happening. A good good so, question. Good question. Yeah, I get what you're saying. So the idea of free will being causeless is not we're not we're not trying to posit some contra causal mechanism in the sense that things randomly happen for no reason whatsoever. What we're saying is that there is this faculty of free will that has the ability to cause without external influence. It has the ability to non-deterministically cause. So, I mean, it's a good question. You, you, you caught the language very well. And what, so I don't mean that it's something that literally doesn't have a cause in the sense that it's just contra-causal and occurs uh, like with no explanation whatsoever. It's to say that there is this faculty of free will that allows for you to initiate action without an external deterministic influence on you. Just think, man, also think about it like this, yeah? Um, under a materialistic paradigm, free will wouldn't really exist, would it? Uh, yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, under a materialistic paradigm. Now, what Abdurrahman is saying is that we sense in our first-person experience that we have free will, yeah? Now, in order to give that as an explanation that there must be free will, there must be somebody, an agent that's given us that free will that caused us to be able to make choices that are non-deterministic. I, I, I just don't understand how it can be non-deterministic, but uh, still have a cause. Like he's saying that it's not that no, it doesn't cause, have a cause. The cause yeah. is the capability of performing free actions. That's the cause. We have, the, we have been created with the capacity to have free will it's not something that's necessary for human beings we didn't have to have free will yeah but we have caused with the capacity to have that free will now that free will cannot have been if our first person experience is true that that idea of free will cannot have been caused by materialistic mechanism so it has to be a non-materialistic a non uh, natural mechanism that gave us that capacity to make free choices. Now we posited that there's a necessary being. Now we're saying, well, the necessary being would have to be the cause for us to have the attributes that we have. One of those attributes is free will. So that necessary being has to have been something that's not materialistic in order to cause us to have free will. And you, and you guys would believe in the libertarian free will? Yeah. Oh no, we don't believe in libertarian free will. For, for God, well, we don't for believe God. In absolute. Yeah, for God, we don't. We as human beings don't have absolute free will. Because yeah, because yeah. libertarian free will is to say that um, the the will, like the, the Christians, for example, hold on to libertarian free will. Or many of them do, at least, uh, in the sense that this is something that is beyond the control of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. That would be yeah, closer yeah, yeah, to the don't. the Mutazilites. So we we don't uh, hold that. So we we do affirm that. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala causes our will to exist and, and sustains us and that includes our will so, and that he's aware of what 
we're going to do. He's aware of our choices and things like that. Um, but you know, so we we wouldn't be considered libertarian free will advocates. Yeah, we can't do things which are Yeah, we can't do anything which is independent to the will of God. Yeah, so the i.e. meaning that we we do things by the permission by the permission of Allah subhanahu wa taala by permission of Allah. But the point here is this, thinker man, is you've got different arguments that are pushing us towards the fact that the nature of the necessary being has to be. Uh, or the properties of the necessary being has to be non-naturalistic, can't just be in mechanical force. You have temporal effect, but an infinite cause, or, or a, a, you know, eternal cause. So you need to have an explanation for that. You had what Abdurrahman said, which is that, well, we understand non-deterministic because of our own experiences of non-determinism, which is the fact that we have free will. Free will is a non-deterministic way of engaging in the universe. And then the fourth argument is the fact that free will itself within human beings, which is limited, which is by the permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which is created by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, could not have arisen in human beings with a, a naturalistic mechanism. Therefore, it requires a non-naturalistic agent to have caused us, which we've already posited this this agent, I, this necessary being. So therefore, this necessary being can't be natural. It would have had to have had a will in order to cause us to have a will as well. Uh, I want to I want to tell Thinkerman something because earlier he said that there's it's a brute fact, right, about the beginning of the 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 universe or the beginning of time. Now there's there's a similar idea that kind of ties into free will here, and he asked a good question about causality and free will. So if if we if we ask, you know. That about this this uh, this faculty of free will and how it causes something to occur without cause. It seems contradictory, but what we mean is that it non-deterministically causes things to occur. And this faculty of choosing to do something, this faculty of freely choosing something, there seems to be an aspect of arbitrariness that's just inherent to it, right? It, there seems to be there's something arbitrary about choosing between options when you don't have to choose between options. And um, what what this might get back to is some kind of a brute contingency, right? That there is this, well, it's a contingency. Why? Because you could choose A or B. So neither A nor B had to be. You didn't have to choose either. And it's brute because that's just the, 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 uh, it's just, the maximum explanatory depth you're going to reach with regard to this faculty of choosing. Now, what you what you're saying regarding this first uh, event of time starting is that it's just a brute fact. It happened. It occurred. Uh, and I would, in a sense, agree with you. But what I would say is that I'm going further beyond you, and I'm saying that there is an explanation for that. We have something within our uh, uh, epistemic and like within our 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 uh, observational obs observational data that can allow us to give an explanation for this brute contingency. So even the will, the fact of choosing to initiate something, can be that brute contingency. Right now, I'm saying well, all I'm telling you is take that idea of this first event occurring with no cause and just add to it this explanation that you yourself have this very direct access to it's within your innermost human experience that free will exists add it to it and you still maintain your brute contingency but you provide it for an ex provide it with an explanation from within reality 
So you say you add the faculty of will, because we're never going to come up with a better explanation than that. I mean, what scientists can say is that there's true indeterminacy in the sense that things really happen for no reason. Fine. But the questions we can ask about that are going to move to the realm of philosophy. Well, wait a second. Uh, why couldn't it be? Uh, why couldn't we make an analogy between these non-deterministic events and what we experience as free will or this this non-deterministic uh, faculty of choice? So, uh, so I think it's better to have an explanation than no explanation at all. And and uh, and for that reason, I just think that's a little ingredient you can add to your model there that would provide you with uh, an explanation that's very plausible because you just have direct access to it. Yeah, uh, I think I think I learned a lot from you guys today. Uh, I was really curious as to how you guys would put in causality and free will along with the beginning of the universe. And I'll definitely think about what you guys said uh, for sure. Thank please you guys do and, and please, please join for more more streams and you can message us whenever you want and, and we'd, we'd, uh, we'd like to hear more from you. And think, man, as well, just as a point, this is not something, we're not saying something which is outside the Islamic tradition. This is well embedded within the Islamic tradition. Imam Ghazali, he explains and gives various arguments for why the creator has a will and why it's not just some sort of necessary mechanical force. Uh, Imam Jawaini discusses uh, the, 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 the explanations or the, the arguments for a necessary being as well. So this is something that's contained within our Islamic tradition. So maybe where you are and, you know, the type of representation of Islam that we've come across is somehow uh, seen as sort of backward or archaic. But really, this is not what Islam is. Islam created a flourish, uh, fl flourishing civilization. It created intellectual giants within the, within the Muslims. Uh, it created this flowering of civilization, which then spread to, uh, to the rest of the world as well. Yeah, so... You know, and as Jake will probably mention, uh, or you know, he's talked to many senior philosophers in analytic philosophy uh, and theologians, and they are actually utilizing many of the Islamic arguments. Uh, you know, in terms of uh, you know, uh, many of the Islamic arguments re related to uh, talking about uh, countering the idea of divine simplicity and things like that. So, yeah. So mm -hmm. That's true, isn't it, Jake? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I had uh, Dr. Ryan Mullins on my show, um, and he talked about how the Christian tradition was really slow to rejecting divine simplicity. It's only been over the past 50 years, maybe, but uh, Islam had done that from the get-go. I mean, in fact, Imam Ghazali wrote about it, and that was the first paper he said that he wrote that really tipped him off that – um, you know, there's something wrong with this doctrine, but that's, that's a whole nother thing. But yeah, I think what Sharif is trying to say is that we're not just like four guys on the internet making up our own sort of thing here. Uh, we have, Islam has a rich intellectual tradition, um, that I think, uh, you know, people should try to tap into and that shouldn't always just judge Islam by the situation. Maybe that's in your locale. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I've got a lot of studying to do with, with regards to what you said about free will and uh, the start of the universe. I'll definitely try to uh, get more of the Imam Ghazali's and all that opinion, uh, all of that, that that you said. And uh, for sure, I'm going to call in next time you guys are live. All right. Appreciate having you on, man. Thanks. Bye. All right, yeah, take care. Care.
Take care. Oh, shut up. Nice guy. Yeah. So, Might want to go to Nazir because he said he had to leave in a couple of minutes. He had a quick question. Are you there, brother? I don't know if you can hear us. He mentioned in the uh, private chat that he was he was getting ready to break his fast, so I don't know if he just walked away oh. from his phone or something. Oh, okay, there you are. Alaikum salam. Uh, I don't know what time it is out there. Uh, yeah, it's evening, so Chris, you good evening. How are you? Good. Alhamdulillah. How's it going? Fine, fine. I'm very fine. Yeah, um, you, thank you had you, a question. For... Yeah, my question is... Um, I've been following your, your stream for a very um, long time now, I think since the first time I, I came across it on YouTube. And um, I got to say, it's, very, it's been very informative. And um, it has led me to, to, to see a lot of things that I, I wasn't able to see before. And um, it, it got me the motivation to start engaging people with different um, worldviews. And in that course, I came across one one person who happens to be a deist. Mm -hmm. So during our discussion, I was I was trying to to get him, as I've said before, I was trying to get him to understand the the rationale behind us accepting the attributes that we we kind of attribute to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. So we were discussing about the the eternal or the eternity of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and he was trying to bring in this problem of, um, of time, that our conception of time is, uh, is, is like determined by our, our limitations. So um, the person I was, I, I was able to show him that since we have accepted that God is the necessary being and that he is the one who created the universe, that is space, time, and matter all included, so that means he has to be outside of time. And and my my conception of time is that uh, time is the interval between uh, successive events. So if the creation of the universe is, for instance, event B, and everything that comes after that is event C. So therefore, for us to put God in time, that has to we have to, to say that there is an event A that happens, let's say, sans creation. So, but since, since my, from my, my own perception of time, uh, time is the interval between spaces, I'm sorry, Graham, events, I, I can say that um, God can't be, I don't know how to put it, but the idea is that uh, since God is spaceless and timeless and uh, immaterial, and our perception of time is based on the events that are happening um, around us. For instance, when you're unconscious, you, you have no sense of time. So right? is your question, sorry, I'm just trying to understand your question. Is your question basically saying that if we define time as the measurement of events and that there is yeah. an event where there was God and no creation and then there was an event where there was God and creation, doesn't therefore that imply that God's within time? Is that your question? Oh, no, no. My question is that if there is an event where there is God and creation and there is an event where there is God and there is no creation so are we implying that God was idle before creation 
Yeah, we're saying that God is. Uh, so we, we, we. I think uh, there's a lot of things to be said on this particular topic. Yeah, uh, but we have to really be very careful in terms of defining what we mean by yeah. time in this context. Yeah. So as human yeah. beings, I'm talking about from our perspective, we understand time as the measurement of change, and in this context, we're talking about it as a measurement of the movement of objects or the measurement of causal relationships. Yeah. So we're we're looking at causality in terms of you know, this thing causes that thing, and therefore we're talking about that as time. Now, if we start to understand it from that perspective, then when we're talking about the universe, uh, we're talking about those things that exist within time. We're talking about things that exist within a causal relationship that caused and there's effects from causes, etc. Now, in terms of the creator in that context, then the creator is outside of causal relationships because the creator is not caused by anything other than what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decides for himself. So there's no external causes for the creator. So in that context, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is outside of, quote-unquote, time, meaning he's outside of being caused by anything other than what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala determines by his own will. But that doesn't necessarily mean if we start talking about God and then creation, uh, God before creation and God after creation, that there wasn't some sort of separation that we can talk about, a distinction between that. Now, if people want to use the word time, they can use that. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's just simply saying that, yes, there is a creator. This creator is not subject to causality, is not limited, is not determined external to itself, caused the universe, and therefore there was a, you know, T... God and then T God plus universe as well. If you want to use that in terms of that, I don't think any of the arguments uh, for an atheist would have any impact in that particular view. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My, my problem was that I was looking at it because it makes intuitive sense to me to accept the fact that maybe um, since um, uh, that whatever you call it, maybe it's time or whatever, before creation, God was, was not doing anything. Uh, SubhanAllah, I don't know. It just makes some intuitive sense to me. But I, I was just looking at it. Maybe it has some religious implications and then what Islam has to say about that. So I was just being cautious. So I had to yeah. halt the, the discussion at that particular um, instance. But I, I have to be very honest with the guy and told him that it makes intuitive sense to me that God was not doing anything because he was, um, there was no creation there. So we don't have the event A to say that he is in time. So and to have an event, there has to be time and the space of that event and stuff see, like that. Yeah. So, see, uh, so, so, so. I think, the brother, the, the issue is, is that there's only so much our mind can comprehend, isn't it? In terms of yeah. we can only comprehend what's within the finite universe. And from that, we can come to the conclusion and, make certain inferences about the nature of a, of a creator and necessary being, and that necessary being must have this property or attribute of will to cause the universe to exist. So we can come to these conclusions, but then to try to speculate in our mind, to try to work out, well, what was it like Because mm. uh, for the creator? Because we think within a temporal framework. That's the only way we were able to think. And our temporal framework is basically thinking of causality, cause and effect things external yeah. to the effect making 
making it uh, uh, making the effect. So we think like that. So when we start to try to comprehend the nature of the creator, it's, 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 we, we don't have a sufficient knowledge. We don't have the perception of this. Therefore, we have to suspend our, our capacity. However, just because we cannot comprehend totality of the nature of the creator and what it means, what the creator was yeah. doing before time or before the universe, then that doesn't necessarily mean or it's nowhere an argument against the existence of a creator. Yeah, so it doesn't, it, it's just, it, look, I had a, very, a few years ago, uh, I had a debate with an atheist and this atheist said, well, what caused God to think about why to create the universe? And so I took a pen, I threw it in the middle of the room. Yeah, it was in a formal debate. And I said to him, I said, uh, why did I do that? And he looked at me and goes, I don't know. I go, well, if you don't know the reasons behind the actions of a human being, how are you going to know the reasons behind the actions of the creator? Yeah, How are you going to really comprehend this and understand the nature of this? Yeah, so he said, so yeah, I can come to the conclusion that there may be a re there is a reason, but you know what the specific reason is, what was occurring, all of these such things is, Yanni, it's, it's relatively, there's, a, there's only so much we can comprehend on that. I don't yeah. know if Jake, if uh, Jake wants to uh, add anything. I, no. I wanted to say that it doesn't seem to be a logical problem. So it just seems to be saying that you can't conceive of it, or maybe you can't. So it, it just doesn't seem like it's a, a logical question that poses an intellectual challenge. It just seems like, I, I don't know what that's like, right? But then you arrived at this 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 point of God's uh, changelessness and God's uh, and the necessity of God through a necessary and sound line of reasoning. So there are going to be these aspects. Obviously, no one is saying that you're going to understand everything about the source. But you arrived at the source through a necessary and sound line of reasoning. And the problem that that you seem to be describing, if I'm understanding it correctly, just seems to be. Uh, like just just a, a a problem of just a lack of understanding. We just can't conceive of it, but it doesn't seem to be like intellectually challenging. Yeah, well, I, I think I all know. he's saying, I, I think all he's saying is, if there was nothing, if God didn't create anything before the universe, was he just doing nothing? He he wasn't doing anything. Yeah, I, I think that's, that's the only question. I don't see anything wrong with saying, well, yeah, he was idle. He wasn't doing anything. What's wrong with that? Yeah, that's my intuitive um, uh, understanding of it. But the way I, I see it also is that God, knows, God has knowledge of himself. And um, I think there is the, 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 for the initiation of the creation to, to happen, I don't know. I'm just saying for the initiation of the creation to happen, there has to be the decision making. So, and all of these things are things that um, they are like actions, if, you are, if I'm allowed to say. They are actions in, in a way. And I can't perceive of an action happening outside of time. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's a, second, that's a secondary issue. I mean, the first thing that you mainly were asking about is, well, what was God doing? I mean, I don't see any, any problem why what an atheist would object to God not doing anything without creation. I don't see any logical problem with that. So yeah, I, what I'm yeah, saying is that well. if it's not doing anything, then that means that it's okay. We don't have to invoke time because there is no action. But so long as there is an action, for instance, um, his, his, um, his yeah. knowledge of himself and the initiation of the creation, 
the decision before the initiation of the creation, things like that. They tend to have something to do with time, in my understanding. Yeah, but when yeah. when see, this is the thing, isn't it? Is that <laughs> it comes down to how we define so I'm, time? I'm, I'm, what I'm if, saying is that it might it might be. Um, the problem might be it has to have something with with my own perception of time. Yeah, so. it, because as human beings, look, it, it depends how we define time. If we define time yeah. as a, some sort of change, then you know, I think th I don't think there's any logical problem in saying that. Well, the creator made a choice to create, yeah, and that's some sort of change. Imam Ghazali gives the argument about how. Uh, you know, the the intentionality was from pre-eternal. This is his argument that he uses that. Other people use other arguments and say, well, you know, the only argument against change for the creator I choosing to create is this argument that because the creator's perfect, then how could he go from perfection to some... How can he change? Because change implies imperfection. But, you know, as various philosophers uh, have argued, and including Muslims, is that change doesn't necessarily mean you're going from less perfect to more perfect or perfection to imperfection. It can just mean perfection to perfection. Yeah? So there's no, there's no logical problem for that to occur. Um, these, are, these are relatively speculative issues now because we're going into like trying to understand the nature of the creator. I think what you need to do is you need to bring this back to a rational discussion with your friend and say, look, what do we sense of the universe? These are the things that we sense of the universe. This is the, this is the most reasonable, logical conclusion that we can have in terms of how limited contingent things exist. Uh, that there's a necessity of a, of a creator that has will intentionality, that we have other issues with regards to, like, where does the will come from? Where does consciousness come from? Can this be grounded upon um, yeah, any the, uh, the material, non-conscious you know, world, uh, non-conscious reality, or does it have to be grounded upon something that's already conscious? All of these things indicate pretty clearly yeah, the inevitable conclusion that there needs to be a creator, needs to be God, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that exists. Um, so I think we need to get the discussion back into the reality. Whatever contentions that he may have, you can demonstrate that it's not a logical contradiction. It's a possibility. Yeah. So God could change by not creating to creating, but doesn't imply imperfection. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, you could you could mention these things as well. I know historically from the classical scholars, they were very wary of using the word change yeah, and applying it to God because change implied some sort of causal relationship yeah, or imperfection yeah. to perfection or perfection to imperfection. Yeah, so they would avoid using that word. Okay. All right. Yeah, uh, yeah I think we're going to have to let you go, brother, because we got a couple yeah, other people I, waiting. I, 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 yeah, thank you very much. I even have to take a break from my iftar. So okay. Um, All right. All right. <laughs> yeah, you better thank you. So we've got another four people in the back. Um, can I just ask, is it, are any of the ones that are waiting deists? No, they're not. They're None not. of them? No. Um, there was someone called. We, we, we've got four Muslims. Khalil has been waiting for a while, so we'll bring him on. But then the, the other three are Muslims as well. You don't have to. <laughs> All right, see you later. <laughs> no, bring him on. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. Bro. Like, yeah. <laughs> 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 How you doing, bro? Captain oh, Mighty Beard. 
Doing all right. Yeah, I uh sitting upstairs because the family's downstairs eating lunch. So I'm like, oh, I'm gonna stay away from food for right now. <sighs> Angels pray for you, bro. If you yeah, right. how long how long have you got till iftar? Um, so it's two o'clock in the afternoon right now. Six hours. Six and six and a half hours, six, six hours and, and thirty-two half. minutes. Yeah. Oh, because it goes longer, isn't it? Uh, yeah. That. How have you been finding anyway the uh the fasting and it's it get it's it's really easy at this point. Like <laughs> yeah, we're yeah. halfway through it and twenty days through it, bro. Yeah. Two thirds. Yeah. So yeah. so Khalil, uh, these are the last ten days of Ramadan. The last ten nights. The last ten nights are meant mm-hmm. to be the most special nights of Ramadan. Uh, okay. And one of the nights of Ramadan, we don't know exactly which one it is, but it's more likely in the last ten nights. One of the nights is known as Laylatul Qadr, which means the night of power. Uh, and in this, uh, the act of worship is considered like uh, what is it? Eighty odd year, a thousand months. How many years is that? Is that 88 years? So one night of worship, you can get the equivalent of 88 years of worship in one of these nights. Wow. Okay. And it's so more likely like, it's more likely in the last 10. It's more likely in the odd nights as well. The odd. So yeah, 21, 23, 25, 27, and 29. So we don't know which night it is. Because if you knew which night it was, then what would happen is just people would just <laughs> yeah. say, all right, we'll just do that one. Yeah, right. Whereas it gives us that desire to keep looking for it. Yeah. And the whole, Not- the whole 10 days, the whole 10 days, like as a whole, have their value as well. So yeah. the last 10 days are special as a whole, but there's one night that's just really special. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Now, can it be so, different for other people, or is it just a, one one random night that we don't know about is special for everybody? It'll be it'll be one night for the twenty four hours of the year, isn't it? So, okay, it'll, it'll be that particular day. So, what what I'm asking but is, different is, time is, zones. The, is the twenty four hours? Could that be a different twenty four hours for you than it is for me? Like, could it be a no. Wednesday for you and a Friday for me? No, no, no. no. It'll be the okay, same. So, it, with for everybody, there's one night. That we can get we, uh, a lot of worship in. 83 years worth. I think somebody said in the comment, it's 83 years. 83 years worth of worship. A thousand months. Alhamdulillah. Yeah, alhamdulillah. How do you find the discussion anyway? Sorry. <laughs> it was a bit of a discussion. Um, it, it, was, it was cool. Um, with with my you know discussions with you guys and my conversion, uh, I was a deist for like two days until you guys were just like, wow, pff, nope. So the the discussions that i've had with a lot of people you know as i was an atheist uh with my youtube channel there were some deists that still prayed um that still believed in an afterlife that still believed in some kind of like karma or sin um and 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 i didn't know if you guys had had any you know uh any discussions that you wanted to have over why a deist would do these things if the deity itself has washed its hands and walked away from creation like why would why would we pray yeah because the thing here with that sort of idea is that it introduces the 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 notion that this god is interested Mm -hmm. if there's such thing as sins and things like that then why draw the line at creation and then yeah i'm not going to bother now until judgment day or till the end of day like what would be the point in that, and then just as, and it it also introduces notion of um, injustice in that 
you know, this deist God would create us, not bother to give us any guidance, yet hold us accountable for not knowing what was the right path. Mm. Also, yeah, also, uh, Khalil is that there are different versions of deism. Deism is not like uh, just one particular view. So one form of deism believes that is a very universalist approach, by the way. So, you know, a lot of the deists historically, uh, some of them uh, in the early period were universalists. They believed all religions went to the same path because they said Mm -hmm. human beings have this innate desire to have certain core ideas. One of those core ideas was like, the belief in one God, the belief in, uh, you know, doing good and piety, the belief in the hereafter, the belief in heaven and hell. They said, that, well, that's all human beings have. They don't need revelation because they already know it. Now, obviously, as Muslims, we believe, well, you do need revelation because you do need revelation to substantiate heaven and hell. It's not just something that, you know, we can come to just on a rational basis. But this is what the original, some of the classical deists uh, believed in. So they believed in doing acts of worship just that they didn't need revelation to tell them how to do it. So long as they were just generally "quote unquote" good, then that mm-hmm. was sufficient for them. Yeah. Yeah, but 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 without that grounding, what what is good? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, it's, the problem. It's the problem. Yeah, and this is I think what it is is that a lot of people, when it comes to the issue of morality, a lot of people think that morality is clear cut, obvious. We can all come to it in our minds. But those in the 18th century, if they were to come to the 21st century, they'd be thinking we're completely immoral, crazy people. Whereas at the time in the 18th century, they said, well, this is normal, what we're doing. And similarly, we'd probably look at them and think they were crazy as well in terms of their moral outlooks as well. So Mm -hmm. it just shows you the relative nature and the subjective nature of morality, certainly in the particulars, even if it's not necessarily in the generality. But I think yeah. uh, as a final point is that, uh, you know, for yourself, uh, Khalil, what is it, you know, in your own mind, did it really make sense that you come to a conclusion that there is a creator that exists, that has will, and that just, you know, it doesn't really matter that the creator just I, thought, well. I think it was, uh, I think it was a rock that I was stepping on while yeah. transversing to the other side of the pond. You know, so it was just like, a, uh, I'll sit right here for now, but I don't, I, I think this is going to sink pretty soon. Yeah. I think mean, it's what Abdurrahman said earlier is that intuitively, we just, just does not make any sense, deism. No. Just from a basic, you know, from your gut, you're thinking, well, if there's this unlimited, infinite creator, you know, that chose to create. Yeah, I want to know what's what my purpose is. I want to know what's going on, why I was created. Yeah, I I don't want it to seem like insulting to anybody because I'm not trying to. Um, but sometimes I think deism can be used as like a scapegoat, uh, as a way to get cop away. Out. Yeah, a cop out uh, from like uh, getting getting you know philosophically handled as an atheist. Like you you can fall back into this deistic position to where you're like okay well now i don't have these problems that i did as an atheist but i still don't have to change anything about my life yeah i can still just be who i am and do what i do and 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 not, still have nothing that i'm accountable for or the, or or you know that i have to that i have to live under because yeah okay cool the universe was created and then he walked away and now i can just do whatever i want to so now i'm out of all these problems but 
I still think there's that intuitive notion in the back of your mind that this just doesn't seem right. Mm. No, no, I agree 100%. And I think the other thing is that part of that desire of seeking uh, truth and seeking purpose is this desire to understand, you know, what is it all about? How do I act? How do I function? How do I form relationships with other people? And so it's natural that, you know, we are looking, you know, you know, whether you're atheist or secular or Muslim, you're looking for guidance, isn't it? You're looking for something which has greater meaning yeah, uh, for, your, uh, for ourselves, you know, and certainly how to live our lives. And certainly deism doesn't necessarily solve that problem. It just answers a particular question, but then, you know, you're still trying to work out, well, how do I live my life? Whereas, you know, with, with understanding revelation and understanding that actually the creator is telling you the best way, it just becomes more intuitive because then it grounds your purpose, it grounds your morality. You now got something that has some sort of firm anchoring and it's not just me trying to make it up in my own head, trying mm -hmm. to give some sort of meaning to people. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, if you guys want to take me out, I don't have much to add to this conversation. I mean, already, <laughs> you guys have already got me on your side, so I, I don't think, I don't think we could, uh, we could keep, uh, we could keep going with you. Basically, answer my questions. No problem. Just look at anyway. Appreciate you coming on, Khalil, and showing All the right. support. I'll see you, brothers, later. Okay, assalamualaikum. So, we're two hours and twelve minutes into this. How long are we wanting to to stay on the stream for? How many more guests have we got? Well, we got uh, stuff coming up, so let's just. The guys have been <laughs> waiting, but let's just get them. Let's just get them on and keep it as brief as we can. All right. So I'm just. Gonna... Um. Yeah. I mean, we've got five people waiting. There's, there's no way. Well, we'll do. Oh, we'll rush five. through. Don't worry. We'll rush through. Right. So. Uh... Then, uh, <laughs> the thing is, is there's Karen's back. And we did this to him last time, and he's not going to be happy. <laughs> oh, and Karen is like the last one in the list. He's he's not going to be happy. Oh, he's the last <laughs> one. Okay, then. But we'll try the others anyway. Uh, we'll try and go through the list, isn't it? Assalamu alaikum, Abu Muhammad Ali. Wa alaikum wa rahmatullahi How you guys doing? Alhamdulillah. How are you, man? Alhamdulillah. I'm going to make a short since you guys need to get out of here. I have a couple of questions. I'm just going to pick the main ones. Okay. Um, you guys mentioned that we should expect that God should care at least for his creations. So some of the deists might say that if God cares for his creations, which would imply that either God's liking something or isn't self-sufficient. How will you guys respond to that? Because caring implies that you're liking something. No, so the care doesn't imply a need. So, so I can have a purpose that is not necessarily uh, the result, result that doesn't necessarily result from a need that I have. So, God doesn't have a need for creation. God having a purpose for creation is not synonymous with God having a need for creation. Those are two different things. Okay, that makes sense. Can I ask one last question? Yeah, sure. Okay, so there's nothing binding on God. We both would agree on that, right? That he should do this, right? Yeah. Okay. If there's nothing binding on God, um, so he's, he doesn't require him to send us revelation. So why should we expect that he should send us a revelation? Because he's good. And it's the good thing to expect. 
to guide your the creature the creatures that you created if he's if you can arrive at god's goodness god's supreme wisdom uh, rationally then it kind of follows that if you are to be held accountable he should give you revelation that would guide you and and help you achieve uh, the purpose he created you for I think but also Abu Muhammad you said, as well, just sorry, really quickly, Abu Muhammad as well, is, is this, is that sometimes we try to look at this from, okay, the creator down to creation. From creation, we can understand that we desire moral goodness, we desire to satisfy our, our instinct, our religiosity, our desire to worship. These are things that we desire to do. So if we desire to do this, then naturally we're going to start to ask the question, you know, is there a message? Where is this message? Should I expect a message? And it's from that that you'd come to the conclusion, you'd come across, or you would seek to come across Islam and the message of the Quran. Now, going into the discussion about does God, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, have necessity to give us revelation or not, that's a separate point. Because if you've got the revelation before you and you've got good reasons to believe that the Quran is the word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then that's it, khalas. We've got the answer now, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decide to give us Yes, of course Why did I push myself to look for it? Because I have this God-given attribute of desiring to worship Desiring to form this relationship with this creator So therefore I'm looking for a communication from the creator So from my perspective, I'm pushing myself out there I find the Quran, I investigate the Quran like I investigate other claims I find there's good rational reasons to believe the Quran Is the divine word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Therefore, I have now answered the question. Ah, so Allah subhanahu wa was definitively uh, and by necessity gave us the revelation because of the existence of the Quran. Okay. Um, just to pick back on what Abdurrahman mentioned, he said because God is good. Isn't that implying that you're, set, you're judging God by a, a standard? Um, you mean I'm judging God? No, God is good. His nature is good. I'm not judging him by a standard that is external to himself. If God, his own nature is good, then it follows that he can't contradict his own nature. And uh, I, I just want to say one last thing. I know we're really rushing and I'm so tired. But the, the, the thing is, the thing here is about you don't need to establish the necessity of revelation. So we can make a case now and a strong case for why revelation is, is, is actually necessary. And it actually follows that 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 uh, revelation is needed, not necessary, but very likely, even right. But compelling. even put it put it compelling. But even if it's just possible, mm -hmm. it's the point here is that we have access to claimed revelations, and we can assess them and come to the conclusion that they're true. I mean, we it's not like we just believe them. It's not like we come to the conclusion that it's possible or it's likely that God is going to give us revelation and then we just believe the first revelation we come across. No. Aside from the fact that it's likely or whether God needs to do it, we have access to revelation and we have evidence that this revelation is of God. That's the only way. Uh, that's 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 the only justifiable way you can believe in, in revelation. You can't just believe in it just on the mere fact that God should give you revelation. Okay. So... Just to pick back on what you just mentioned, would it be better to start our way the possibility? It's possible that God could send us a revelation. It's possible that God could send us a revelation. Just uh, some people claim they receive revelation, so that gives us a, a, a gateway to investigate into the claim. Then from exactly. there we can. 
Okay. Exactly. Yeah. So the fact that you have revelations out there, that's already like, okay, let me investigate the claims. But then that the first part of the question is a bit complicated. It's going to depend on the kind of deist. Some deists who do believe in an afterlife and stuff like that, they mm. would. Uh, some of them might fall in the category of, of 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 like the people who didn't, who never got exposed to revelation, and they'll have their own test in the hereafter. Because some of them would have the approach that, hey, I haven't been presented with evidence. And we know that that category of people, if they truly haven't d didn't have access to the truth, then then uh, then then they will have their own form of like a test in the hereafter. Okay. But yeah, I mean, generally, yes, there are revelations, there are claimed revelations out there. So it's it's kind of simple, just assess the, the their truth value. Yeah. Okay, I so think it's, just... more, it's more than so, Abu Muhammad. You that you you're having lots of questions now. No, just <laughs> one. I get you guys. That, there, was man. One. that was one. That was that was five or six. Yeah. But I think the issue is it's not it's more than just possibility. It's compelling to the mind. It's compelling to us as human beings that you know we would expect revelation. We would expect some things, and all those arguments that argue against the impossibility fall uh, fall foul. Particularly the argument that you know uh, miracles cannot occur because it breaks the laws, and this is a logical impossibility. As we had a stream on this, and Jake's mentioned it. That's uh, that's not sufficient as an argument to demonstrate that it's impossible for special revelation to be sent down to human beings. Yeah, Abu, do you have another question? Yeah, let me just finish it. All right, there. that's it. You're out of here, man. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Why should, why should God use uh, select one person among people to send his revelation where he could reveal to each person individually? That's a different that question, sense? to be honest. Uh, yeah, yeah. He could have revealed. You mean sent a revelation, like like. Um, By example, but, he, but but in a sense, he did. Okay, so there are different types of revelations. So we have that. We have the, the 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 access to the God's God's signs in the universe. You can say that's an aspect of God God's revelation as well, yeah. right? <laughs> and he gave us that other general revelation that is meant for all of mankind that guides our 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 uh, affairs and stuff like that and you need to have that objective source or else every person can come up and say you know god revealed this to me god revealed that to me and we know through experience that it's not like everybody has the same experience of god so again it's not a question of whether he could have maybe it's conceivable that he could have but it's quite evident that he didn't because everybody has a different uh, uh, understanding of, of morality and stuff like that but yeah. there is the, the the directly accessible for each person we have the fitra right and it's directly whatever your understanding of the fitra is but it is a direct access or a direct uh, inclination towards god and we have god's sign and signs in the universe and we have a, a, a revelation that's given to his selected prophets yeah, act as role models as well. So. One that thing that, that, that does that make role. sense, a lot of sense. Um, the yeah. problem really I had with individual revelation is that, let's say if Hitler claimed he had a revelation from God and he was commanded to be killing everyone, yeah, then precisely. you can really argue against him, you know? Yeah, and yeah. also the, the, the notion of prophethood is intrinsically connected to the idea of a, um, a great character. So in order to have collective revelation, you'd have to have like a whole civilization of amazing people, which is just not very likely if they're all. Um, It'd all have to be masum, in it, to a certain extent, infallible or unable to commit major mistakes, major yeah. harm. So you'd yeah. suddenly just have robots, angels. Yeah. Okay. And where is would that the test I mean, be? You guys have been great, man. 
Keep out of the work. We love Thanks you too, Abu Muhammad. All right, brother. Assalamu alaikum. Assalamu alaikum. Take care, bro. Assalamu alaikum. All right, so we're going to leave it there because um, there is no other guests. The, the ones that were there have gone. Um, so two things I wanted to mention before we end the stream. Um, so Brother Khalil has mentioned as well that he's got a, a stream uh, happening next week, is it? When is it? He said here. Uh, with yeah. Dr. Shweb uh, next Saturday at 12 Eastern. Is that 12 a.m.? No, 12 p.m. 12 a.m. p.m.? <sighs> You're on. Oh, Khalil. yeah, yeah. It's 12 p.m. <laughs> 12 p.m. Eastern time. Yeah, 12, 12 p.m. Eastern time. We're going to be having a conversation with Dr. Shoaib uh, over Islam. He wrote a book uh, that's actually got published, I think, through Rutledge. Uh, mm -hmm. Wrote a book over Islam and uh, evolution. And uh, and we're going to be having a conversation about that. Okay, yeah. inshallah. So make sure to, to uh, join that on the, the EA show, formerly the Empathetic Atheist, now the... Uh, exploring arguments show so just yeah. brought you on to to mention that salam all right cool thank you, <laughs> right. See you guys. take care and and last of all uh if you're leaving this stream uh please do head over to the sapiens institute who are currently live now um i've put the link in the chat um so make sure to click that and head over there uh, and continue they've only just started live streaming uh, about 20 yeah. minutes or so yusuf ago. before you close it too uh two quick things uh, one, I want to say thank you to everybody who's been watching and subscribed to our channel because we just hit 2K subscribers on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. So because we forgot to mention that at the beginning of the show, we hit it sometime after the uh, on Ross stream. Um, second thing is here that um, I, I've been going back and forth with Arn Ra on Facebook. And I just want to read out his most recent comment here for people to, to see what's going on. He said, as I've already said so many times now, it was always my opinion that it was impossible for there to be absolutely nothing. But in science, uneducated opinions do not counter that of experts, saying that he's he has an uneducated opinion. He's not an expert. I remember that cosmologists say that it is impossible Oh, that it is possible for there to be absolutely nothing instead of something. So my humble opinion doesn't matter. I told y'all I don't study philosophy or cosmology, so it doesn't reflect well on you insisting that we talk about those things anyway instead of something I know. Because Why did he not say that? Well, hold on, hold on. Listen, listen. This is the last sentence. Because because that means that my opinion is worthless. And all I can do is defer to experts in that field. <laughs> so I, I responded by saying this. Okay, thank you for your response, Arn. Since our discussion was and would be philosophical the second time around, does this mean that you aren't interested in coming back on for a part two? Because look, we didn't try to trick him into this and say, hey, Arn, we're going to be talking about science and evolution. And then all of a sudden we flipped the philosophical uh, switch on him. I mean, that's the first thing. And the second thing is the question of whether there is such a thing as a necessary being is a metaphysical and philosophical question. Yeah. So after you have, and I'm sorry to say this so bluntly, but after you've kind of embarrassed yourself on the last stream, don't try to push it on us as if we did something wrong. And, oh, why are you guys still insisting on this? 
Dude, that was the whole point of the conversation. No, 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 no. I mean, and he was on. so philosophically confident in can the I, discussion. Can I, can I say? Can I say something? If 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 this this is ridiculous, because if you if you say that you're not concerned with philosophy, it's not your area, yet you're making definitive philosophical claims. That that that's inconsistent. So in the beginning of the stream, he made his stance very clear on the existence of the necessary being that it is not possible right he said that the existence of god is not a possibility several yeah. times yeah. whatever variation of that he mentioned he made that positive claim and he was backing it up and defending it that's a philosophical claim so i think you should realize that you're being inconsistent here and i mentioned this in the stream that you're not you're holding yourself by by, by the same standard you're asking for because when theists talk about stuff that you say they're just making it up and they have no idea what they're talking about, well, by your admission, philosophy isn't your area, so why are you making philosophical claims? And the thing about science is if you're going to address the existence of God through science or even you know, the validity of religion through science, that's not entirely a scientific exercise. If you're going to talk about God through science, that's philosophy. Cool. Science is involved. But it's still philosophy. You can't address the question of God of as it relates to science from a purely scientific perspective. That's impossible. Even if you're going to talk specifically just about scripture and its validity, well, I'm not sure that you're an expert on the Bible or the Quran for you to do that. So that know, doesn't so seem I, to be your area exactly, either. So exactly. I just don't get it. Your entire career is seems oh, yeah. to be based on something that, like, with respect, I'm not trying to pick on him. You're not an expert in because you're not an expert in philosophy. You're not an expert in theology. He's, right. he's doing a Quran reading, so you should he's... just talk about the hard sciences. Don't relate it <laughs> to God. That's a, that's a philosophical <laughs> shift. He's if he is, he's even doing he's doing a reading of the Quran. He's doing Tafsir al Aran Ra, and he's <laughs> he's an absolute nincompoop about the whole thing. Like he, he's yeah. not studied it. Like he's made he's imposing assumptions when he comes to a certain. So the guy. Yeah. Listen, the guy. Okay. Let's, I, I, I'm going to stop you there. Otherwise, we're going to do. We'll, yeah, we'll do don't, another don't, stream. We don't want to disrespect him again. We want to repeat that on the stream. I appreciated Ron, and I appreciated the way he 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 carried himself and his approach to the conversation, and I enjoyed having him on. This is just. I'm. We're just dealing with the substance here, yeah, and yeah, yeah. and uh, and yeah. I don't want it to get personal. So yeah. Thank you. Well, let's let's save this for a stream. Yeah. Where we we note down everything that we've been talking about here, and we we deal with it in in the best way possible. Um, but we're two hours thirty minutes into this now, and I am conscious that we need to end it. Uh, so we will leave it there for today. Um, I'm not even going to ask anyone for closing statements out of risk of us uh, <laughs> talking for another yeah. ten hours. And I, th I think we've yeah. covered pretty much everything we need to cover. Um, so jazakallah khair to everyone who's been watching today. Uh, if you haven't already, please remember to subscribe. Uh, to give us a like, because that helps with the algorithms, um, and comment if you're not watching this live in the comment section, whether you like it or not, give your opinions, etc. All of this helps the, the show in general. And also share on your Facebook and all your other social medias, Twitter, etc., uh, so that other people can be exposed to the channel and possibly lead to, to more subscribers. Thank you again to the 2,000 of you plus who have already subscribed. Um, we are also on, um, we, we have podcasts on things like, uh, what was it now, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, so on. Uh, if there's a major podcast um, platform, inshallah, we should be on there. And if we've not, leave that in a comment and we'll try and sort that out so we are on there. Um, and yeah, and follow us on social media. So if you search uh, TAP or Thought Adventure Podcast, 
uh, in Facebook and Instagram. You should find us there. And this is the the Twitter handle. Uh, so make sure to follow us on Twitter if you haven't already as well. But other than that, thank you to everyone who's been watching today and who's joined the stream. May Allah bless you all. And we'll see you again in two weeks, inshallah, uh, with another podcast. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And remember to head over to Sapiens Institute. Link in the uh, the comment section. Assalamu alaikum again. Oh, my things popped out.